0: This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment.
1: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is Fast Break Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is Ricky Wimmer. What's up, what's up? And Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. I asked Ricky if he was ready, I'll and he's be, totally not well, ready to start I'll be, the podcast. I'll be Ricky's totally honest.
2: Usually, we uh, do these segments in the middle. You'll see why in a little bit I'm not going to steal your thunder, and I wasn't expecting the comeback over to me. What's up, what's up, guys?
1: Anyways, I told you guys before the podcast started, <laughs> this is going to be the intro. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have a special podcast today. We have two Patreon segments. We're starting off with one. We'll introduce the Patreon that's going to be with us uh, in the first segment just in just a few seconds, but let's go through some housekeeping. First off, if you're listening on iTunes, rate five stars over there. We appreciate and love and need the support over there. So if you got the time, head over to iTunes and rate the Fast Break podcast five stars. Also, while you're there, rate the Onside Kick, the Primetime podcast, the Rick and Johnny podcast. The the Outcasts are not up there yet, but while you're on YouTube, if you're on YouTube, go check out the Outcasts. Buzz and Juice put out a great podcast. We're proud to have them. ...on our network, so go give them some love. Also, check out mostfailpodcast.com for the shop, but also for a new reason, Ricky Widmer spent a, about a week, two weeks, doing a, it took a long time. seven-round mock draft for the NFL draft that's coming up on Thursday. So go check that out. Look at Ricky's masterpiece of work over there. And finally, if you do want to be on a Patreon, uh, uh, on a podcast, head over to patreon.com slash mostfailpodcast. You can be like Jake, and you can be like Pat, who are joining us on this podcast today... First up, we're going to be talking about will LeBron James and the Cavs miss the NBA Finals. Then we'll go into Wet Boys. Then we will talk about how does Trey Young fit with the Chicago Bulls with Patrick. And we'll probably do one more draft topic uh, as well. But let's welcome in our patron. I think this is his fifth straight month being on a podcast. Jake is back on the podcast. How you doing, Jake? Good, how's everybody doing today? We're doing pretty, Good. pretty Good. well. Ricky's pumped that the Cavs lost game three. I am so three.
2: excited they lost. I just want them to be out of the playoffs as quick as possible. I'm sorry, Cleveland, but I'm not sorry.
1: <laughs> my legs are pretty... Hashtag
2: sorry, not sorry.
1: My, my legs are pretty worked out as I've lost my car since uh, LeBron. because <laughs> not only lost one game, uh, but two games. Uh, and I think Dave's fine. No, right? I'm here. Dave's I, here. I
2: think the best comment from that was uh, them telling me to get that bus pass. Back to public – It's like it was like, man, Sean, back to public transportation.
1: Yeah, like I've taken public transportation in my life. I'm a germaphobe. I'm not taking that. Uh, anyways, uh, let's talk about the uh, topic at hand. Will LeBron James and the Cavs miss the NBA Finals? Should we throw it over to our uh, resident 76er fan in Jake? Jake, I think I know your answer, but will LeBron James and the Cavs miss the NBA Finals this year?
3: Oh, yeah, they'll miss the Finals. It just depends what round like, – part of me wants to say Pacers in six, but – smart thing about me thinks LeBron will get his team to rally but
1: they won't be able to beat the Sixers in the conference finals anyway so it won't really matter well that's the thing is you know not only it's really will they even make it to the conference finals because Mm -hmm. we even look at Toronto I mean they've been playing great so far they're you know trading a little back and forth with the the, the Wizards so far in Game 3, but we have a feeling Toronto's going to win that one. It's been a scrappy series between the uh, 76ers and Heat so far. Boston and Milwaukee's been fun. That that Game 1 was pretty nice. Um, But it's really, will they get to that point where they're taking on Toronto, where they're taking on Philly? And this has been something where the Cavs just really haven't looked like a unit so far. What have you guys been seeing? We'll go to Jake first. In this Cavs team that's a little bit different than the past couple years from these LeBron teams.
3: I mean, they're just struggling to shoot the three. I mean, today they shot 31% from three. They're also they're not getting to the free throw line enough. They only had 16 free throw attempts, and so we all know that the refs love LeBron. So all he's got to do is create contact, and he'll get to the line. I mean, he shot it at the end of the game. I mean, gee, do you want to show us that the games are rigged? Did you not see some of the foul calls at the end of that game? That was insane. But like, I mean, the Pacers aren't shooting the ball the ball from three either. They only won by two. I just don't think LeBron. I mean, he dropped 46, was it in game two, and they won by single digits again, Mm -hmm. it seems that he has almost no supporting cast. And, I mean, yeah, George Hill and Kevin Love were the only other two people in double digits today, and you're not going to win a series like
2: that. Well, and, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, and you're thinking the same thing. It's not often Jake and I are on the same wavelength, but to me there's one easy, and this goes for the entire playoffs, there's one stat that I can look at on the box score, and for every game except for four now after the Cavs game, the team that makes more of these will win – And that's three-pointers. That sounds like, duh, no duh, that'll happen. But every game except for this one that just ended, the team that made more threes won the game in the end. And the thing that I think about this Cavs team, game one, you had a LeBron that's like, you know what? I'm just going to take a step back a little bit. I'm not going to go beast mode. I want to see what this team's got. They lose to the Pacers. Then LeBron in Game 2 says, I'm going to step it up. Score 16
1: straight points to open up the game. Yes.
2: They only win by three, though. And then in this one, we were all talking before we, because we recorded these segments a little out of order, they were up by 17. And I mentioned it to you, Sean. You were like, oh, they're up 17. At half, yeah. We get done with that segment. Oh, the Pacers are now leading. Or it was like, oh, Cavs now up two. And you're like, what? Cavs Mm -hmm. are only up two? Like, if I'm Cleveland... I'd be worried about this season before you start thinking about the Raptors or the Sixers or whoever you're thinking about in the second round or even the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't think they get out of this series. I think the Pacers, Jake says he wants to. Right now I am changing my prediction from last week, Pacers and six. (laughs) Pacers are going to win this series in six.
1: Dave, do you think Ricky is being a little bit too reactionary? Because Jake, I'm going to take it as Jake just being Jake, and he's going to say Jake's a little know, biased, yeah, maybe take a little hot Whoa. takes. as he wants. No, you think? He wants it, LeBron in like, Philly think, as soon as possible. No,
2: no, no, not just that. I'm with yeah, that also. <laughs> they lose, they lose this round or round. LeBron's going to Philly. No, duh. But you, the thing with the Cavs no, you gotta duh, think about you've been also, on
1: the LeBron to LA train for I, the past nine months. I
2: know, but that's dying down. I'm I'm more so jumping on the Philly train now because they're actually gonna yeah. go places. But the thing with this Cavs team you gotta think of too. What's the one thing they had last year that they don't have this year? A point guard. Kyrie Irving is what I'm thinking of, but kind of in the same vein of like this team is worse than it was last year. When you're secondary scorer, is K-Love or J.R. Smith not the same as it was last year when you had Kyrie Irving as your second score? That's why I'd be worried if I was the Cavs.
3: Uh,
1: don't disrespect J.R. Smith. <laughs> Dave, I love are,
4: the respect that. I love
1: it. Is Jake and Ricky being reactionary here? Is, is it just because the world's crumbling down, LeBron's down 2-1 in the series, or are, are, is there something serious here? Are, are LeBron and the Cavs In a dangerous threat right now after three games.
4: Yeah, hundred percent. If you have been watching this series, you know it's a problem. You know that it takes a heroic effort out of LeBron to win a game, and like Jake said, it wasn't even like he dropped forty six and they still won by single digits. It was a close game down to the wire. Honestly, it depends on how hard LeBron can go these next couple games because this could be the end of his time in Cleveland. This could be something where as soon as he clicks in and this offense starts running better. Maybe this is just them, you know, finding the right page, getting out, out there together, and we could watch a different Cleveland Cavalier team as they transition out of this first round into the second round and so on. So, I think yes, as a Cavs fan, you should be worried. Yes, as a fan of LeBron James being, you know, the Eastern Conference guy every single year for the past decade, you should be worried because this team is not playing like a team. This is a team that Tyloo has no idea what he's doing as a head mm-hmm. coach. They have got all these, you know, individual role players. And even then, it's like literally square block round hole. Like, how are you fucking this up, Tyloo kind of situation? Because you can't play call for them. You can't put out a decent lineup night, night in, night out. I just don't understand. Like, there's some very clear things happen on this team that could be improved on just on paper.
1: Well, and I agree with that. I mean, I don't think anyone us are coming out here championing Ty Lue's name for Coach of the Year, and when we do our, if, if he's still the head coach after the season, when we do our head mm-hmm. coaching rankings, I don't think he's going to be in the top 15. I don't, I don't disagree with any of that. But also, I think this is something where this team's in a little bit of a cold streak just in general. I mean, this team we saw in the regular season from uh, March 13th to the end of the season where they lost to Philly, I'll throw that out for Jake, um, where they <laughs> lost to Philly, this team shot 42% from, 49% from the field and 40% from three. So, I mean, this team has the talent and at least uh, the ability to shoot from the outside and score. And right now, it just seems like they're not on that wavelength. It doesn't seem like they have that confidence out there. And, again, LeBron's going to have a lot of pressure to do that. But I think it, it's got to be something where if LeBron gets going in Game 4, and the team's able to react appropriately, I think this is something where they can at least escape the first round. I I think we're still being a little reactionary here. If they go to a 3-1 hole, that's a completely different story. But if LeBron and the Cavs are able to tie this up 2-2, I think... LeBron has the ability to just win this series and get to round two and survive in advance to at least try to take on Toronto. I think, again, this team has been on a cold streak. I think everything does look bad right Mm -hmm. now, and it's obviously the worst time to go on a cold streak in a seven-game series, but I don't think this is the end of the world here. I'm not ready to say Pacers are winning this series.
2: Well, it's for me, I'm on that other side, obviously, but it's also like, you know how the win predictor that they have like for Mm -hmm. games now and for series, when we did our playoff predictions... I sat there and said, I am picking the Cavs in this one. Most I said 5 because I gave the Pacers a game and I said I wouldn't be surprised if there was a small chance that the Pacers could win. And I asked that question, and that's when Sean bet his car that he doesn't have anymore, but I mean to me right now be after these 3 games, if you ask me now who's winning, I've completely flipped the script where it's like the Pacers are now my favorite. And just because the Cavs have LeBron, they have a small chance to get out of this into the second round.
1: Jake, I'll throw that – you know, you can kind of bounce off that a little bit. Do you think it's just the Cavs being cold, struggling, or do you think the Pacers do have the edge in this series?
3: I mean, I think it's a little – it's a little bit of both, though. Almost. I kind of agree with Ricky again, which I shocked shocking. It's weird to say. I know. I, just embrace yeah. it. <laughs> embrace it, Jake.
1: Podcast.
3: Yeah, I mean – Okay, if you look at the Sixers, I'm going to take the Sixers series as an example. They're shooting the threes in game one. Sixers shot 64% from three, and the Heat shot 46. And they're consistently shooting almost around 50%. In the game the Sixers lost, they shot 19% from three. If you look at today, the Pacers and the Cavs both shot 30% from three exactly. So I don't think either of these teams really have, like it was 92-90. to Neither of them have the the high-powered offense that it takes to get out of the East, and the Cavs are struggling with a team like this. And there was also that play at the, end of the, at the end of the game where they turned the ball over and LeBron didn't even run back on defense. He just stood there in the paint and did just looked what the play happened and it got a wide-open three by Bogdanovich because, you know, he was the best player on the court tonight. Mm-hmm. And he just took the three and LeBron was just standing on the other side of the court not doing anything, not hustling back on defense. So it almost looks like he'd lost interest at, towards the end of that game and he, either he was frustrated and he didn't know how to handle it well or I, I've really never seen that out of LeBron. He's usually pretty well composed and he's always giving 100%. And it did not look like
2: that. I mean, just hearing Jake say, oh, he's usually well composed. Yeah, in post-game interviews. But, like, how many times have we heard the, like, whether it's the Herds or the Stephen A. Smith kind of? We've seen this kind of behavior before out of LeBron where it's like, oh, I'm going to give up this because he's not happy and wants to change it. But I think that, like, for me, I'm looking at this now going it's with LeBron and does he want to expend all that energy to get out of the first round? Obviously, you want to win games, but it's like, am I going to kill myself just to lose to the Raptors? Like, that's how I'm thinking of Ricky, not yeah. as LeBron. I don't
1: know. I, I, looking at LeBron, I mean, we've, we've, he's literally been in the spotlight for the past, what, 15 mm-hmm. years of his life. I mean, mm-hmm. we've never— we, I mean, Longer than that. Yeah, whatever. Uh, 2013. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, 15 in the NBA. I mean, you're, you're, you're right. I mean, he was on the, the SI cover uh, even back when he was a high schooler. Um, So, yeah, 15, 17 years of his life. uh, I mean, LeBron has consistently had a camera on him for the past 17 years. And LeBron has always had these high expectations. Mm -hmm. And, again, I don't think LeBron, knowing him, seeing him throughout his career – I don't think he's ever going to say, "Oh, we don't have a chance in the next round." I don't think LeBron's thinking, "Oh, I'm not going to try this yeah, round no. because we're not going to get to the next round." I
2: was speaking Le- as Ricky, not as LeBron. I know, and yeah. I'm just yeah.
1: trying to disprove that. I mean, yeah. like, or, or at least you know, throw my opinion back mm-hmm. at that because again, LeBron is a guy that we've seen never really give up. And, and again, I, I think that's why Jake's bringing it up is the fact that we did see him give up in such a crucial moment that could possibly swing the swing the game.
2: I know this is not during a game, but they brought it up today on the jump. It kind of reminds me of after that 20. Times 10 series against the big three in Boston. Mm-hmm. Boston moves on to the finals. LeBron James rips off the jersey, and everyone's like, oh, my God, is he going to leave? And then he ended up leaving and going to Miami. Yeah, I was going to you saw similarities
4: of the end of his yeah. time with Miami as and, well.
2: And the thing, too, with this series is, did you guys hear what Oladipo said after game one? How mm. uh, they got the little chip on their shoulder, especially him with the Dan Gilbert comments of, like, they were going to trade for Oladipo. It was in ink. And then it's like, oh, Paul George pulled out of it, so it's we're gonna ship him over. Well, to then they the uh, to draft him too. Yeah, that too. Where yeah. I guess Dan Gilbert really wanted him, but the big wigs in Cleveland want him to go with A. B. Who that didn't turn out at all with Anthony Bennett. Not quite. So you've got one team Poor in Indiana. You've got one team in Indiana that's got really, to me, nothing to lose. If they lose this series, whatever you lost to the King, it was expected. Nothing to lose. Where <laughs> Cleveland and LeBron. They got everything to lose. They lose in the first round. We will be remembering this for. No, I'm not going to say decades, decades, but for,
4: say but it. for, Lock it in,
1: but for years, it. we will be oh, talking about, God. like,
2: hey, remember that well, year that LeBron got bounced really, in the it, first I think round? It's, I think it's
1: going to be something if if he leaves, mm-hmm. then that's going to be the thing that pushed him out of Cleveland again. Remember the yeah, fact that, people that said?
4: Paul George couldn't beat LeBron James but Victor Oladipo knocked him
1: out in the <laughs> oh, first my round? God. Victor Shut Oladipo, the face
4: of the Pacers.
2: Remember, George Stop. Hill was on that Pacer team, too. Now he's on that Cleveland team.
4: Yeah, you know who else is oh on God. some of those teams? Roy Hibbert. Where's he at? <laughs> Washing cars. Lance is Still on the same there, team. Lance
3: Stevenson. Yeah.
4: <laughs> this is why Lance again. is the he's the anchor for that team. Mm-hmm. He's the soul of the yeah. Pacers. Honestly, yeah, though, we'll, it's just good. it's crazy to think that like I I start to not agree with you, but like with with the whole like could this be like LeBron being demoralized? Does he feel like at this point he's just kind of like struggling? He's just going through the motions over and over. I don't. I'm not quite there yet. I think at 2 1, I think it's still very much in the air. Like, it's totally in the air. He can come back, win these games, and get right back into LeBron form where it's second round, you know, conference finals, Mm -hmm. and then take it straight in. But. For me, it's very much, how does he get the rest of his team involved?
1: Yeah, and I mean, we've seen LeBron try his best to, to, to do that. And, and we've seen LeBron, again, you know, whether it was him taking over in Game 2 or again in Game 1 mm-hmm. and Game 3, try to at least get his team involved. Um, I, I think he's just trying to figure out what this team is in the playoffs because this is, again, the first playoff series that they've had together and without Kyrie in the past, what, three years? Um, so, I mean, he's, he's still trying to navigate the waves because, again, he doesn't really have a lot of help on that bench with his team. But let's just say... LeBron turns it on. They win six or seven, and they move on to the second round. They move on to the third round, or you know, let, let's just mm-hmm. play, play here because this this is about the finals, and this is you know, obviously, there's still two more rounds after this. Yeah. Um, what team outside of Indiana right now poses the biggest threat to Cleveland? Is it Philadelphia? Is it Toronto? Hell, is it Miami? Is it Boston? Is it Milwaukee? What team that's still in the playoffs? And Wizards as well, because I have an, an, enough time to mention them. Mm-hmm. Which team is probably the biggest threat? <laughs> to LeBron and the Cavs outside of Indiana, even though they're down
2: 2-1. Before I let Jake go into uh, full explanation, because I'm going to say one of the teams he's probably thinking, Raptors, Sixers, those are the two. Raptors and Sixers are the teams that I would say will and or can and will knock Cleveland out of the playoffs.
1: Jake. Well, hold on, real quick. Uh- how, how will the Raptors and 76ers both not go? Yeah, how they, but that's impressive. Well, I'm
2: saying, like, if I'm wrong about the Raptors, then, like, if you do get through the Raptors, you're not getting through the 76ers. He's hedging his bets here. Yeah, that's yeah, some
1: bullshit right there. Jake, uh, what, what team is, is this the biggest threat? You want to take a guess? Uh, it's the Wizards.
4: We all knew what was coming. I'm, okay, I'm
1: John. Not it's not the like,
4: Bucks, man. I, I oh, the Bucks are
3: up 10 right now. Yeah, gotta, look at them. I am not trying to be obviously I'm going to come off as biased but if I I've looked, like have all the teams the only teams that have solid guard play and solid big man play if healthy obviously are the Sixers. They are the most complete team if you look at them. They play some of the best defense a, around and they average the second most assists per game in the league. I mean does anybody it, does anybody in, in the in the East have some way to guard Ben Simmons? And if they do do they also have some way to guard Joel Embiid? Cuz I don't think anybody does there off in the East. I mean the Wizards definitely don't, the Bucks definitely don't. I I think, again, I don't think they get. I don't want to say they aren't going to get past the Pacers, but if they get past the Pacers, I think they get past the Raptors as well. Um, I just don't think that they beat the Sixers in the conference finals. But then, yeah, this series, a lot with the Indiana series, reminds me of a couple years ago when they faced the Pistons in the first round and Mm -hmm. they swept them. But the games were close, and Mm -hmm. you know who had both the game-winning shots in that series? Kyrie. Hmm. And they don't have that anymore. Mm-hmm. So that that's just it's just what I kind of noticed with the series is they're coming down to the end and they don't have somebody to hit down that shot besides LeBron.
1: That's a good point right there. The the, the one thing that I want to throw out at, at you just because we know your dad has a Sixers fan going to Game One. What do you think uh, about Cleveland poses the biggest threat to Philadelphia? Is it just LeBron and and, and his presence out on the court? Yep, that's all right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yep. I mean, I'm not. I'm not like. What else do you have to be scared about with their team? They don't have a good coach. They don't play the best defense. Their three-point shooting is streaky at best. I mean, they don't have a guy. Who are you gonna put on Joel Embiid? Are you gonna put freaking Kevin Love out there? Are you gonna <sighs> put Tristan Thompson out there? Like, I, you don't have somebody to guard Embiid on that team. And I'm sorry, LeBron. Every time they play him, doesn't guard Ben Simmons because you can't guard him. Mm-hmm. It's just like I. And then you have Covington, who's one of the most underrated defenders in the league, can guard LeBron. I not can hold LeBron to under 30. We'll go with that. It's like I. I'm not really scared of them, besides the fact that they have playoff LeBron.
1: You know the fact though that you just said that Roko's going to hold them under thirty. If they do match up, he's going to drop forty-six in the first game.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Okay. And what they'll lose still. I'm, I'm just saying he's. You, you make a hot take like that, you're going to oh, be walking yeah. oh. to well, your job, or LeBron's going to be dropping forty-six on Roko.
2: The interesting I won't one my my car on it. <laughs> The interesting one that you brought up, Jake, though, was Ben Simmons because the thing now that you hear some of the people kind of talking about each series now with. Now, of course, Cleveland down 2-1, Sixers are up 2-1. We can kind of look at Ben Simmons and LeBron James because they kind of play similar, similar roles for each of their teams. And for me, maybe it's because of the whole thing that's going on with LeBron and his team and Ben Simmons doesn't have to um, worry about that. But it's like, yeah, LeBron's the best player in the NBA. I'm not saying anything against that when I say this, but it's like, Is Ben Simmons the better player right now in these playoffs? Like, yeah, LeBron scored more points in that one game. (sighs) Thank you, (laughs) thank you, Jake. But Ben Simmons is actually like helping his team win games. Ben Simmons has one. Ben Simmons
3: has a. Oh, you go. No, no, go, Jake. Oh, Ben Simmons has a the better coach. He has the better team. He has the worst, worser team to play against. He also Lebron put up. I don't even remember what the stat line it was like 46 forty six and, and
1: twelve in the second game. And he but you can't sit here and t-
3: tell me that Ben Simmons is better than Lebron in the playoffs when Lebron is almost averaging a triple double and put up forty six. The you thing. Tell
1: that. The thing is, and I agree with Jake. It's it's just the fact that you have a guy that's winning games and mm-hmm. that's two one, and it looks like he's having such a, you, you you don't expect you know Ben Simmons as a as a rookie um, to come out and do exactly what he's doing right now in his first playoff series. Mm -hmm. But LeBron, who's been in seven straight finals, who's been in the playoffs for the past 13, 14 years, whatever it's been, you don't expect his team to be down 2-1. This guy hasn't lost a game one in 21 straight series. So I think that's the biggest thing. I think that's why that's coming up in your mind, is just because Ben Simmons is exceeding expectations and LeBron's team is under-exceeding expectations. And some people even take that as LeBron, you know, not performing Mm -hmm. up to LeBron's ability, but... Still, I mean, this is LeBron James here. I mean, I, I understand that one team's winning and one team's up 2-1 and one team's down 1-2, but, I mean, if you're if you're saying who would you rather have for a playoff series, it's still LeBron. Oh, yeah. I'm, not yeah. not even I, close. I'm
2: not saying that I would pick, like, oh, I want Ben Simmons but over But you say LeBron. Ben Simmons has been more impactful? But, like, no. Yeah, but, I mean, like, I look at their play on the field and maybe... The field. The field, the court, the field. whatever <laughs> you want to call it. You but, I mean, The ice rink. The thing that maybe this also All plays one. into it as the well, because you don't see this from Ben Simmons... But like when we were talking about LeBron, like I'm isolating what Jake said, where the plays down the court and LeBron is just standing there. I'm getting a feeling from LeBron right now that it's kind of like if you've ever been in a relationship and you're just sitting there and just one day you're thinking, how long is this going to last? Like and then you start having those doubts and you start Mm -hmm. thinking like, all right, I'm going to start thinking about things like, hmm, like with him, it'd be like. Is this team really gonna work? What's it gonna be yeah. like when we if we get past this series? Like you get those same things, and maybe leaning more towards the ending it, which for LeBron it would be leaving Cleveland, where in Ben Simmons's case, we're obviously not worrying about that because everyone's happy in Philly. Jake's doing somersaults off the Liberty Bell every night because they're winning <laughs> games. <laughs> except for one in their last, what, nineteen? They lost that game against the Heat was their only one. Yep. We're in Cleveland, it's a totally different atmosphere. where almost the sky is falling cuz we're down
4: 2-1. It's the end of an era pretty much. Mm-hmm. That's that's the thing is I, all good I, things do come to an end, Dave. I see that. I just <laughs> think that that Philly team is built sort of for the future mm-hmm. and LeBron, like you said, with the with the players around LeBron, the expectations should be different. Like could you imagine that Philly team without Bellinelli and Ilyasova mm-hmm. would be a completely different team. And yeah. those were both late-season pickups for them. Mm-hmm. And you look at the guys who yeah. LeBron brought in at the trade deadline, guys who are young, athletic, and you know have potential, but should be just pure role players. And who no don't,
2: playoff experience. No right? playoff experience yeah. is
4: the biggest thing there. You've got young guys who are just underperforming in the playoffs because they don't know how to play playoff basketball because, let's be honest, regular season basketball is one thing. Mm-hmm. Playoff is a different world, well, and that's
1: the LeBron that I mean, dominates. I will bring up, though, Rodney Hood did play with Utah last year, so he, yeah. he does have players. Well, that's and, fair. And fair. the
2: big thing I want to bring up, and this has nothing to do with LeBron, it has everything to do with Dan Gilbert and the front office in Cleveland, Kyrie's the missing piece. That's what we said that I mentioned earlier earlier. It's not like you lost him to free agency. This offseason, you traded him. You okay, chose to be fair, to, okay, what's Kyrie doing, doing right now? I, I, get, that, the thing that I get that he's, injured right, I no, get that he's injured right now. No, but he threatened
1: them with
4: this injury. He said, mm-hmm. I will take off a year to go get this fixed if you don't move me. And mm-hmm. guess what? He played on it and got hurt anyway. Well, with, so,
2: with Celtic doctors who don't know what they're talking about anyways, right? Look at IT the whole IT scandal that they are not scandal but like they had him play on the injury and he was It injured. was his
4: decision it yeah. was something that he knew was hurt in the first place and he played on it. And mm-hmm. guess what? Half to have the surgery. So I don't know that the Cavs necessarily would have had him healthy for the playoffs anyway. Well,
2: I mean, I'm not saying that. I'm saying, like, you didn't have to. Like, it was. One you of had the,
4: to. I didn't think. He, like you, He was forcing his way out. He
2: was. But it was. One there of was those no looks, way Kyrie wanted, would be on this if team. If you wanted to stand strong, you could have. Like, it was. That, my point is, it's not like Kyrie ultimately chose to leave. You chose to trade him. You were the one to pull that trigger.
1: But A, would he be healthy? And two, would he care? What do you, so, I mean, that's the thing is you'd rather move those pieces mm-hmm. to get them out to have guys that at least are trying. They're not as talented and you don't have the parts that equal that whole of Kyrie Irving. Mm-hmm. But you at least have players that want to be there or you think want to be there at least. I mean, it didn't want to be there and that's why they moved him. But again, <laughs> it's just something with uh, Kyrie. He didn't want to be there. They had no choice. I'm not blaming this on Ky, you know the, the Cavs trading Kyrie Irving. I'm just blaming this on this team isn't talented. Uh, yeah. As talented as we thought, thought they were, and they don't have that cohesion that they did last year. And again, and, and I,
2: what started that the Kyrie trade? You can blame Ky- oh. Kyrie. I mean, they're in this situation because the they're in
1: they're in they're in the situation because the Kyrie trade. Yeah. You're not wrong, but it's not because of the Cavs saying we need to try Kyrie. Kyrie put them in that situation. Yeah. Um, anyways, we got to wrap up the segment. Uh, <laughs> final things is really answering the question: Will LeBron James? and the Cavs make it to the NBA Finals, or will they not be knocked out? Jake, give us the uh, 76ers answer.
3: <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going with the Sixers getting swept in the Finals by the Warriors, but, yeah, I don't think. I'm going to go out and say there that they uh, make it to the Conference Finals still.
1: Interesting hot take, though, saying yeah. the Warriors. Do, it's sweeping them. Do me and Jake have the
2: same NBA Finals? You do. Okay, I'm changing. We do. I'm changing right
1: now. <laughs> <laughs> give them a the game, Jake. Give I the game.
3: The
4: Minnesota. 4-1. Up. I'll be there. There you go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, uh, Dave. Will the LeBron James and Kev- Cleveland Cavaliers uh, make it to the NBA Finals? Nope. Nope. I got them falling out in the East. It's weird. East where? Uh, probably
4: most likely to Toronto. Unlikely, but potentially to this Indianapolis team. I like them. Oh, I think they're fun. Um, but at the same time, it's just it's LeBron James. I can't picture him losing the first round. So until it happens, I'll say second <laughs> round. But. I, I trust Indy. Ricky. Book it
2: next Friday. We're going to be sitting here. We're going to be Christ. joining another patron in. I think William is going to be on that yes, one. And by that time, we'll be saying Pacers moving on to the second round.
4: And we'll be like, "Where's LeBron James going?" Yep, because that's what we're, that's we're, we're, we're talking talking about, about. Philly <laughs> <laughs> or Philly or Houston? And Philly on
1: that, now, Ricky Whitmer yeah. literally just looked up the schedule so he can look cool and be like, "Oh, next Friday we're be <laughs> well, talking I did. about that." I did. Yeah, because yeah. you don't what know off the top of your head when it's going to happen. No,
2: I didn't. I. Looking check? at it right here, but yeah. Jake's asking what game it is. Uh, it'll be game six.
1: Game six. Wow. wow. Pacers in six uh, in
2: the field house in Indianapolis.
1: All right. Anyways, uh, I bet my car on it. so uh, I would Well, look you already like a, lost
2: that. You don't have well, any. I would look like a huge
1: <laughs> hypocrite if I said the, the Cavs at least won't win this series. Uh, so I think Cavs <laughs> win against the Pacers in seven. I'll take them over the Raptors in six. Sorry, Toronto. Um, and uh, <laughs> sorry, Jake, uh, but I will take the uh, the Cavs in seven over the Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah, so I will say right now, yes, but that's because of the situation I put them in last year. And I have nothing to bet. I don't have a house, uh, I'm okay. Okay. I, I like, not
2: have a car. What, i I was like, was he yes. totally going to just ignore do a bet. what Jake do said? Do a bet. I can't I bet anything. Say, we can do something.
1: All right, Jake, what do you want to bet? Uh, After I mean, May 5th, I-, I can shave my head. Oh, I'm not shaking my head. Oh. No, nah, I'm oh. not making that bet. I don't think he wants to so. bet.
2: I love the shave the head bets. It's I'll come up best. with a bet.
1: Okay, all right. We'll DM on Twitter, and then we'll come back next week with what the bet yeah. that Jake and I will have. But, Jake, we want to thank you for being on the podcast. If you want to be like Jake, head over to patreon.com slash podcast. We want to thank Jake for joining us on the, uh, the topic, talking about the Cleveland Cavaliers. And we'll have Pat coming in on the next topic. But before that... Let's take a break. Let's wind down. I think uh, some, some cool heads need to prevail after uh, Ricky and I, again, got a little heated on the calves in that last topic. So let's cool it down with mm-hmm. some wet boys. Let's bring in some cool shooters, some some, some nice dudes. Uh, we're talking about I guys see what who absolutely popped up. I like up. it. I like it. Uh, how do you put out a fire? Water. Um, <laughs> but we're going to be talking about some damp dudes. The soggiest of shooters. The dampest of dudes. Wet boys. These are guys that popped off over the past week. We don't want to scr- you know, dedicate a whole topic to them. We can use Wet Boys to talk about the guys that went off in the first week of the playoffs, and this is going to be separate from the Wet Boy of the Year, which was to LeBron James, the king, who was nominated with six uh, Wet Boys honorees, and that gives him the, uh, the Wet Boy Player of the Year. So this is going to start fresh for the postseason, so don't forget to let Us know who you think the wet boy of the first week of the NBA postseason was. But, boys, let's jump into it. Ricky, who was the wet boy of the week for you?
2: Mine was a little difficult because, I'll be honest, there were some guys like Oladipo who I really wanted to give it to. But in the end, I had to settle with Chris Paul. This is a guy I know that James Harden had a great week as well. But, I mean, watching him play 21 points this week, shooting like crazy. And in that game, too, against the T-Wolves, when he was out there and James Harden was on the bench— there was that one shot, he drives into the lane, throws it up. The height gets to almost the top the backboard before it drops right through. Chris Paul making it go, and hopefully he'll get to the second round with the with the Rockets because he couldn't do that with the Clippers.
1: I was there gonna say go. Houston Rockets talk.
2: because and I just I said thought, say
1: Rockets. I thought it was he got he gets the second round and then he loses. He can't get past, can't no, get past the because
2: he usually gets injured in the first round, then they don't get to the second round.
4: I don't know. I, I just think it's nice that Chris Paul's reminding people that he is a top tier point <laughs> guard in the league still. Did anyone doubt that though? I mean, he's been he's been on and off again throughout the whole year with injuries, so it was kinda of one of those but things. But did like, anyone
1: doubt his talent? Not really. Yeah. So.
4: But he, he's kind of forgotten about in the conversation in the West, to be but fair. He,
1: I always feel like he's always an underrated point guard. Because he's consistent because he doesn't he doesn't have you know, triple doubles like uh Russell he's got Westbrook. The he's zero. not you know lighting it up like Steph was back in the day, but he's consistently been one of the best players yeah. in the NBA. Yep.
2: The last time the Clippers were in the second round was the twenty fifteen playoffs. Yeah. So that was the last time. That yeah, yeah. and twenty fourteen
1: were the last times. Yeah, yeah and the whole thing was I think, I think second round. Favorited, fa- yeah. Favored in that mm-hmm. whatever. Uh favorite In that, <laughs> in, that uh, in those series. That's that's why people give him give him a ton of shit for that. Uh anyways, Dave, who is your uh weapon of the week? We kinda have a, a little bit of a theme. Yeah, we got a little uh, symbology here. Uh
4: honestly symbology.
1: I I don't know. I was going, symbolism.
4: For, I was going, going for, for, for symbolism. Synergy symbolism, synergy. Dummy. I was going for synergy. You, I thought it's more like a Boondock buzzword. Saints joke. A little bit, but <laughs> it was synergy. I'm going for the no longer brow in Anthony Davis. Uh he's just been dominant. Yeah, he shaved the brow.
1: No, he didn't. Yeah, he did. Oh he
4: didn't? Yes. It was a joke. It was April Fool's, dude. Shave the brow. Buy into the video. He shaved the brow. Um... I love him. He's amazing. He's been proving me right, which is the best part about this. And I love the fact that he is absolutely killing the Blazers down low. Dave just
2: picks wet boys based, based to validate on, his own no, opinions.
4: No, honestly. Like to he, prove that he's right. He was a four-time wet boy for us. He was He was a runner-up to LeBron James. He's he just did been hold the top so spot well. for a
1: while until yeah. LeBron
4: took
2: He dominated he February away after
1: yeah. the, uh, Boogie went down. He has been
4: phenomenal. The, and and the Pelicans have been one of the most impressive teams in the playoffs so far. So. Sean, I'll, I'll roll over to you now for uh, your pick.
1: Well, the Trash Bros right now, the new Trash Bros, and uh, uh, Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum have been getting shut down by my Wet Boy of the week, Drew Holiday. Uh, we thought he was overpaid, but goddamn, is he proving his worth in the uh, in, in the playoffs right now? Drew Holiday, twenty-three points per game, six assists, two steals, fifty-three percent from the field, and thirty-eight percent from three. But he's not doing it just offensively; he's doing it defensively, shutting down Dame Lillard making him turn the ball over looking making him look like a fool uh, offensively. Dame Lillard has not been able to figure out Drew Holiday's defense. He's been an absolute stud defensively. Drew Holiday is probably, you know, credited the same with Anthony Davis for being the reason why the Pelicans are up three zero right now because yes, AD's been playing fantastic and been destroying. And it's like twenty percent AD, twenty
4: percent Drew, twenty uh, percent Rondo, Rondo, and the rest is all Nico. Not just Rondo, forty percent Rondo, forty
1: percent Nico. Nico. Which I'd remind
4: you that he existed. He, he that. did. He did. When exist? you're picking series, I was like, bro, I don't well, know. If- I
2: just like I don't know. I thought the Blazers <laughs> would come in and be better.
4: Well, I think I everyone they'd has. Be no, I think
1: everyone has. Yeah. Right? I
4: mean, no uh, one expected them to be shut down this hard
1: from Drew and Rondo. Did you pick Blazers? No. You picked... I I picked the Pelicans. You picked the Blazers, though. Yeah, yeah. I did. I think we all picked close series, though. I picked the Pelicans, too. So at least, you know, I bet my car and lost it. Yep. And that Cleveland thing. But at least I got the Pelicans right. Whenever um, yeah. <laughs> you want to hang your hat on, none, none of us picked a four-game sweep or five-game series where Pelicans won. No. So, I mean, we all thought it was going to be a close-tight series. Yeah, we didn't series, think so. it
2: would be Warrior Spurs. No, it's, it's not th-
1: over yet. Well, who knows? No, but I'm still saying, like, even if it goes the distance and the the, the, the Blazers somehow pull it out, mm-hmm. down 3-0, yeah. it's still going to go seven games. Yeah. yeah. So, it be miraculous. I mean, again, it's not, we're not expecting a blowout like it's been so far. You know what's um, the thing
2: I do find funny, though? What's that big All guy? of our Wet Boys Western Conference. I nope. was thinking Eastern about that. Conference Best conference.
1: I was thinking someone should <laughs> yes. pick Ben or, or LBJ just to, <laughs> to to give some love but I mean no, so far no. Pelicans with the way they've been dominating think, yeah, as you have give a them their you got to give them the love um and then obviously you know Chris Paul good picture always out the seeds they're all like 3 through 6 was within a game that's yeah, true um mm-hmm. also uh Chris Paul you have the what boy counter up right I don't but okay. I can yeah. I was because I, I make I made the uh, thumbnail and I was thinking I don't remember mm-hmm. putting Chris Paul. I don't, I don't think he has been because I know James Harden was a couple times. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't I remember. Don't think
2: Chris Paul was ever a weapon. Gerald
1: Green was. Uh, yeah, I we definitely did. Joe do Green. not think you Chris did Paul was. Green. Yes, yes, I did. <laughs> so and um, he's
4: been amazing. I'm just saying.
1: He has been. Uh, so, Drew Holiday, I believe, getting his first Wet Boy honoree. Chris
2: Paul was never a Wet Boy. All right, there you Chris go.
1: Paul and bum, Drew bum, Holiday. Bum. Did Drew? No, Drew got one, I think, right? I think so. Yeah, so Drew getting his second honoree, Chris Paul getting his first. And AD yeah, Dennis Drew and has 90th. two.
2: Okay. Now with that one, but yeah. one for the playoffs.
1: All right, so there you go. Those are our Wet Boys of the Week. Give us yours in the comments down below. But anyways, let's move into the next segment, and we're going to welcome in a special guest. The first time on the Fast Break Podcast, we're going to welcome in patron Pat Hill. Pat, how you doing?
0: I'm good. This is awesome. First time on the fast break. I know I've been on the PTP. I've been on the onside kick, but this is my first time on the fast break. So this is dope.
1: I know you've been on the PTP talking uh, Kansas Jayhawks, but uh, when were you on the onside kick? what did you talk about?
0: Then we talked about replacements for John Fox. I think that was that was an. That old was right
1: one. before nagging when oh, we nice. talked. Uh, De yeah, That's good talk. thing. Yeah, we're pumped about uh, Matt Nagy here, but we're talking Chicago Bulls shocker here on the podcast. <laughs> Pat wants to talk about Trey Young and his fit with the Chicago Bulls because we've mocked this out a, a, you know, a little bit. Bulls right now currently slotted at the six spot in the lottery. That's total Trey Young range. We've had him falling lower than that, so we're talking about the fit of Trey Young and the Bulls. And you know, Pat, just assuming that you're a Kansas Jayhawk fan, we got to assume you're watching a ton of Big Twelve basketball. And you've seen Trey Young play. What do you like in this game?
0: You know, I do like Trey Young a lot. I do like that. What I really like the most, and not just in his game, but like how he fits with the Bulls, because the Bulls play such a really fast, or they want to play a fast, pace, fast pace and space system. And Trey Young does a lot of that. You know, he is he is relatively he's not super, but he's relatively quick. He can pass well, and he's got amazing outside range. With the Bulls lack right now at the uh, guard position, so I do like him a lot in this game, and I do think that. While they might not well, there might be some personnel issues with the Bulls right now, I do think that he could make a reasonable fit on the Bulls team right now.
1: Yeah, and clearly right now, you know, he's gonna be a point guard when he comes in. And the biggest probably personnel issue is what you do with Chris Dunn if you do draft a guy like Trey Young. Dave, looking at this situation, if, if you're look if Trey Young's still on the board you're know, the Chicago Bulls, you're picking at six or seven. Is he on the board for you? Are you looking at him? Where, where is he ranking in your in your position list, player list? Are you trying to attack him because you still do you have Chris Dunn on the board? Or think, are you still have Chris Dunn on your team?
4: <laughs> I, I think he's definitely an option because by no, I mean by no means are we 100 percent sold on Chris Dunn. Yes, he made some massive improvements this year. Uh, what we saw on him going Minnesota to the Bulls is night and day. And while he does look like an excellent defender at the NBA level. Uh, any decent passer, he's definitely not a scorer by any means. He can get in the bucket, but not consistently to the level we'd like. So, if you do want to improve that offense, improve some of the passing out there. I think it would be kind of fun to do a guard rotation because, honestly, with uh, Hoyball, like we could go very small with this lineup and we could run out, you know, Chris Dunn, Trey Young, and Zach Levine one, two, three, and that kind of gets. I know we're all looking for that. We need a small forward, but why not just run small with guards? Other teams get away with it all the time. It's something that would improve our outside shooting and still give us a decent chance to uh, compete in every game.
2: I just, for me, and I don't know if you guys are thinking about this, it all depends because on the mock draft I said, give me Trey Young, give me Michael Porter Jr., I'm a happy Bulls fan. It all matters where Michael Porter Jr. is. If Michael Porter Jr. went in the top five, it's easy for me. Take the BPA for me. It's Trey Young. I don't care that I got Chris Dunn on this team. I'll make it work because of what Patrick said. The thing that I've loved the most about Trey Young is you get that spacing working. He'll find those shooters. He'll find the shooters that Fred wants in this system, and he can just put up – they can put up open threes for days. It would just be if Michael Porter Jr. was there and Trey Young, then me personally, I would have a decision. And I might lean towards Michael Porter Jr. over Trey Young.
1: That's definitely gonna be an interesting thing. I know if we're talking about Buzz from the outside, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Outcast, he's totally picking Michael Porter Jr. Yep. in that situation. Um, but Dave kind of brought this up in the in the pre-show that Trey Young is such a polarizing figure. Mm-hmm. And, and Pat, watching a lot of Trey Young and, and, and thinking he's a good fit on the on the Bulls. What do you think you should be telling Bulls fans about Trey Young to calm them down if they do have any worries about his fit or just the player in general?
0: I would honestly say just look at the player that he is and look how he could fit for the Bulls. I think he's still polarizing because like the first like half of the season, like he was the biggest star in college basketball. You know, he was so amazing. He was throwing down 30 points a game. And when teams started to adjust to him, especially in big 12 player where where they would throw their two best defenders on him because that's all they had on Oklahoma was Trey young. And then he struggled and people kind of pinned that on him for Oklahoma struggling so I guess that's why he's so polarizing because he used to be – he was at, he set the bar so high and then he kind of came crashing down and he didn't help his team, so it was kind of blamed on him. But I would tell Bulls fans, like, look, he's got the range, which is needed for Fred Hoiberg's system. He can pass super well and run that that fast-paced offense for Fred Hoiberg. And I, I know that his defense is crap. I, I, I know that. But I think there are ways that you can hide him on defense that could – that could be made up for with his offense. I just tell Bulls fans, just look at the player that he is and look at his fit in the system. He might not be the name like Michael Porter Jr. or the exact small wing fit that you think they might need, but I wouldn't count him out just because he's Trey Young.
1: And that's one thing that you brought up is the double-team aspect. He was double-teamed 43% of his time in college. That's more than Steph Curry ever was. Steph Curry as a junior This is Trey Young as a freshman. I think you hit the nail on the head there, Pat, is the fact that he was that whole team. And in Big 12... Play you don't see that a ton. You don't see guys taking over in the you know power five. You don't see guys taking over like that, having the usage percentage that he he had. I personally again think Colin Sexton's a better pro than him, but it's not trying to take away from Trey Young and, and the potential that he has. And I think Trey Young on the right team and in the right fit could be a really nice player, and especially you know could be end up developing into a star in the NBA. That's one thing is the fit that you know Pat keeps bringing up mm-hmm. that he's a nice fit. Do you think that? If the Bulls draft Trey Young, do you think that, you know, because Fred Hoiberg has been making a huge mark in Chicago, had nice spurts with this young team. Do you think that if the Bulls draft Trey Young, that it might be a way to either save Fred Hoiberg or uh, possibly, you know, speed up his, his, his time in Chicago? Because you've heard consistently that Trey Young from people, Trey mm-hmm. Young might be the guy that gets someone fired, whether it's a coach or a GM.
2: I don't well when it comes to Fred Hoiberg and his job security, I don't even think he's on the hot seat. Like You think you, he's off the hot no, seat already? Well no, I don't even he's think not on the hot I don't seat. even think he's on the hot seat. You listen to Paxton in his end of the year like conference right away. He said I'm dispelling the rumors. Fred's gonna be back next year. I don't even think that Gar Pax is even thinking about that. And if we draft Trey Young he's not going to be a guy to get Fred Hoiberg or like Fred Hoiberg fired i think that most bull fans are just sitting here And we're worrying because we're used to being the team that's on top. Most of the 90s, all the 90s, we were on top. We're used to being that team. I was going to say. I know, but we were. I wasn't even alive. And then (laughs) even like in the Derrick Rose era, we were still a team that was in the playoffs, competitive in the playoffs. We were a team that was going up against that heat team for can we beat them? And that's what we're used to. So now that we're top 10 in the lottery – We don't like this, and that's why I think that you hear all those, well, if Fred's not fixing it now, he's got to go. But I don't think he's on a hot seat, and I don't think Trey Young would be a player to get him
1: fired. So do you think that it it would extend his possible time? Because you have a guy in Trey Young who fits the system. If he shows enough flashes, that he could possibly extend Fred's time.
2: I would lean more towards that because of, yes, he fits the system. We can then run faster, space the floor better, and do everything of what this NBA, this three-ball NBA is.
1: Yeah. the one thing that that brings up, though, is that, again, going back to Chris Dunn, who do you think the players that are safe on, on this Bulls team are? Because if they dr- go and draft Trey Young, you're going to have Trey Young and probably Laurie, who's going to be the the two that are going to be first year safe because, mm-hmm. you know, Laurie in his first year looked fantastic. You know, no one's pushing him out of that four spot, looking like one of the best shooters at, 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 at you know, over seven feet tall. And then Trey Young, obviously the brand new draft pick. And those two... I think could work really well together, but does that put a you know a different timeline on Chris Dunn or Zach Levine? Do you possibly see them moving out because Zach Levine didn't have a stellar uh, year first year in Chicago? And then you look at Chris Dunn, you know he had a nice December and then he broke his face and then wasn't really the same player.
2: The thing that I look at and Pat, I wonder if you're thinking the same thing. For me, my untouchables are if we draft Trey Young, duh, Chris Young, Zach Levine, Zach Levine, and then um, Markin. The thing that I've liked, though, is Levine, I've heard people, I know Buzz is one of them, that, oh, what are we going to do with the RFA? Is mm-hmm. our team going to offer him something? Zach is going to be back next year. Bulls are going to sign him, to a good deal. And the thing I like about Zach, he's come out and said, I am going to help recruit for this city. I am going to bring people in. for me... I love that because for the longest time I've dealt with Derrick Rose where it's like, oh, Carmelo's in town. I'm not going to go to the dinner. I'm only going to say hi once. That is what I love with Zach Levine that, yeah, he's going to be a guy that re-signs and he's going to help us in the future try to bring in free agents to help us to get us back to where we want to be.
1: Does he help you on the court though? Yeah. And and does he help you in that system?
2: I think he does and I think a guy like Trey Young is – going to, if we draft him, help him and not be like, hey, you got to do everything yourself. No, no, no. I'm going to be the guy with the ball when I'm on the floor.
4: I'll get it to you.
1: We'll go to Dave and then we'll bring Pat in with his untouchables.
4: Yeah, I think that Levine's an interesting case because this year there's not a ton of teams throwing around huge money uh, the way the salary cap's set right now. So I don't know if uh, Levine's really going to, he's not going to command a max or anywhere near that, but we'll see where his ego is at and where the bulls get to as far as a price point. I think it's Markkinen is really the only 100% safe guy on this team.
2: Not even Chris Dunn?
4: No, I don't I don't think that you should feel too attached. It was one season. Yes, he improved. Yes, he looked better. Uh, but by no means is he like a staple of this is our core. Like, yes, mm-hmm. it would be nice if he, Levine, and uh, Markkinen was our big three effectively moving forward. But by no means are those realistic expectations in my mind because he's a good piece. And while he looked good out there, I think he's exactly who you who you would want on the team with Trey Young. Because he's someone who can go guard the best guard on the other team. He's someone who can cover up for Trey Young's deficiency. So if I'm looking at that, I'm going, I definitely want to pair Trey Young with Chris Dunn moving forward. I think Zach Levine is a guy who, if he comes back and plays better next year, awesome. If not, I'm not sweating it that much because you got value out of this deal regardless. So I, I would like to say they should keep Chris Dunn. They should try to keep Zach Levine. And Markkinen's the guy who's definitely
1: the centerpiece, but Trey Young plus Chris Dunn could be really something good. Mm-hmm. So, Pat, you've been talking a ton about the fit. Do you think those four players and Levine, Dunn, Young, and Markkinen could all fit in this Hoiberg system?
0: I think they can, and I, actually, I would consider those. I would, I would consider Laurie, Levine and Dunn as untouchables because I think this past season there was just so many factors. You know, Levine came off of injuries. Chris Dunn dealt with injuries because let's be honest, it's not a Chicago Bulls season unless there's a lot of injuries <laughs> impacting everybody. But if I had to pick two other, there's two other guys that I would not be. I would like. I'd be. I would like tolerate if they left, but I wouldn't be happy. You know, I wouldn't mm-hmm. like to even if Portis left, I would not be. I would be kind of like, uh, I don't think that was a good move, but I'd get over it. And same with David Nwaba, I actually really liked his play yeah. this year. If yeah. only they decided that a guy they would like to get rid of would be Cameron Payne, that would be that would be fantastic. But I think those star, three guys, I, I don't know why they they just <laughs> insist on having him. as like, no, we know we believe in Cameron Payne, we believe in Cameron Payne. But anyway, that's that's not what we're talking about right now. But I would consider. Laurie, Levine, and Dunna safe for right now, but I would definitely, because there was just not enough sample size this past season, but they are going to be looked at more next season. Like, all right, like you don't really have an excuse. You guys kind of have to prove it. And if they don't prove, and if one of them doesn't prove it, then you can't really consider him untouchable because they can leave whenever.
1: I think the one thing it would look bad if they did give up on those guys early, because again, like Pat mentioned, the ACL injury for Levine still wasn't 100. Didn't look great at points, but also didn't look terrible, you know, in every single game. And then Chris Dunn had a really nice spurt in that December, January months where he would have a you know a, a, an OK game, and then he'd come back with like a 32 point performance until he fell on his face and broke it. Um, so I mean, that was something where again, I think if you're giving up on these guys a year early, it might be different. But that, again, if you're drafting a guy like Trey Young. Um, you know, it, it might push a guy like Levine or Dunn out because you're going to need to, you know, pair some pair. Uh, Trey Young with another great guard um, to at least hide his deficiencies on defense. Um, but the one thing, too, is, again, this won't be, uh, if you draft Trey Young, or really mm-hmm. any player, I don't think it's going to accelerate the timeline where, hey, we need to win next year. No, it's so not. I think that's no. one thing that's going to at least give you time where you, you can have another year with Levine, Dunn, and Young, and see what fits, what pairs fit well. If all five, or all four, Fit well, then. Hey, great. If mm-hmm. three of them fit well together, then maybe you well, move on from somebody. But I think the two that are for sure untouchable, even after that year, would be Trey Young and marketing If they go in the Trey Young direction, and
2: let's and let's face it this way, like Zach Levine, yeah, I know he played a little bit this season. Next year is true first full year, hopefully. Knock mm-hmm. on wood. Let's hope he doesn't have any more injuries with the Bulls. But one of the things that just to touch, my only thought with the if we gave up on Chris Dunn or Zach Levine now. I wouldn't do that at all. The only reason why is it's telling me as a fan, all right, we lost the Jimmy Butler trade and all we wanted out of it was Laurie Markkinen Because we flipped picks that year and then we got like the whole thing was to get Levine, get done to get younger and get rid of Jimmy. And if we get rid of Levine and Dunn, we're basically saying I would be like, Well, then why don't we just keep Jimmy? Yeah, no why don't we just keep a superstar? Well, he's
4: not a superstar well, for a one. Star. But uh, you know, that's fair. <laughs> No, I mean I don't I don't think you should give up on any of these players. I'm just saying that I don't think you should set your expectations is we have our core locked in already mm-hmm. I, I think it's mm-hmm. I think like Sean said it's still early I think we want to give them time to get playing together you mentioned it'll be Zach Levine's first full offseason with mm-hmm. this team healthy well, and ready he to first go
2: regular season potentially because well, he was he, on the bench no most that's of what I'm saying year. yeah, yeah.
4: He, he'll be his first offseason to work with Hoiberg mm-hmm. and kind of learn the system a little better um, he was just wildly inconsistent this year he only played 25 games or 24 games mm-hmm. I think um, and it was just up and down kind of performances so Hopefully this year he'll be able to find his groove. I like you mentioned Noaba. I think he was a great role player. Defensively, he brings a toughness that we didn't have. Um, I think the one guy who's kind of interesting is, and I think Ricky had brought this up, I'm not sure if it was last week or before, like off the show, mm-hmm. but like Denzel Valentine, what do you do with someone like that in this Bulls team? If you go with Trey Young, you have, a, you have a guy who's a tweener, two, three maybe. You know, d- does he have a
1: future? Well, I think the one thing with Valentine is, again, you still have him on that rookie deal. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he's on an accelerated timeline either, and you could still bring him off the bench because, again, it's not, you have a year to play with fits. And maybe he does fit with a guy like Trey Young and, and uh, Marketing. So he does have a future on this Bulls team. Like, I think, you know, the guys that are young and, and at least have, you know, still on the rookie deal, they're going to stay around on this team. But, like, you know, Jerry and Grant, uh, Holiday, uh, Rolo as well. I think those guys might be the guys that for
0: sure move. See, that's
4: that's the thing. I'm thinking of like flipping these pieces for more picks or more stuff down the line because I look at someone like Bobby Portis who had mm-hmm. a, a great year as a six man, and you know his value right now coming into the draft might be might be a little higher than normal. So you might look at that and be like, well, what can we do? Is there any good moves out there? I don't know. I just. I'm all about like that turnover and that process of being like a tanking team. So I'm like, give me more picks for my guys who, mm-hmm. you know, we know what Bobby Portis is. Does he work with this team sort of? He's a, he's a pretty good small ball 5. He can give you, you know, offense off the bench, but at the same time, are you overloaded the position? You got other options.
1: Well, with Bobby Portis, I think this kind of goes back to the Trey Young fit is if you look at, you know, small ball 5, it would help with the pace and it would help with the space on the, on that team. So you're going to help Trey Young create more space. You're going to help Laurie Marketing stretch from the outside. Bobby Porter's going to be able to run up and down the court. Really in shape, kid. Super athletic. So I think he would fit with Young and Marketing. It's just really would he fit with Dunn and, and Levine as well? And again, we just haven't been able to see all those players on the court, obviously because Trey Young's not a bull yet. Um, but going back to Trey Young, I think it's we, we we should talk a little bit about the expectations that he should have. For, for his rookie year, because some people might expect him to be, all right, 20-point scorer immediately and, and, you know, be dishing out seven assists a 20 game. 20 10 rolling out of bed. Exactly. So, I mean, that's, that's one thing is what what should the expectations be for Trey Young in his first year? And, and, Pat, do you think it should be this guy's going to be the number one scorer and the facilitator, kind of like, uh, you know, maybe a Russell Westbrook a little bit where he's going to be the main scorer and then also the, the, the ball handler to be distributing? Uh, or maybe, you know, again, maybe it's sacrilegious to say, but a uh, Steph Curry. Um, or do you think it's just going to be treat him as a rookie, see what he does, and we'll work from there?
0: I mean, I think you have to treat him as a rookie. To me, Laurie Markin is still the number one option on that team. Like, even if Trey Young comes on, he's still going to be a rookie. He's still going to have a lot of disadvantages because he's undersized and he doesn't play a lot of defense. So you have to kind of take it as a grain of salt. So if you come in there expecting, like, he's going to be a 25-point game, Points a game guy, he's going to light everyone on fire with his range and all this other stuff. I don't don't do that. You are going to be disappointed if you think like that. So you have to you have to treat these guys as rookies because a lot of these guys are still nineteen or twenty years old. They're mm-hmm. not um, older guys. They're not seasoned veterans. Just I would get I take always take the rookie. I would always take the rookie years as a, with a grain of salt and like okay, they're getting used to the league. They're not used to it yet. Give them a little break and then if they if it goes on two or three years, then you can start to expect more. But first year, right out of the gate, I wouldn't think 25 points a game. If you got, like, maybe 16 or 17 points out of game as a rookie, like, I'd be fine with that.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Trey Young will be 20 years old come the start of the season because his birthday is in September. So it will be a 20-year-old, so we'll see exactly what he can do in those years. The one thing, though, is— I was
2: thinking 15 and 8. 15, if I'm getting 15 points at least, 8 assists. Well, But that's what I'm looking for from him. I want a guy who can space the floor, find those open shooters— Give me 15 points, I'll be happy.
1: Dave, expectations for Trey Young?
4: Uh, honestly, like, because I mean,
2: Lonzo did 10 and 7 this year, so why can't Trey Young do 15 and 8?
4: I think he's not. I think he's not crazy. That's that's the weirdest thing ever. I'm going to admit to, but I'll I'll say yeah, roughly 15. Fifteen and I'll go 15-7. fifteen
0: and
1: seven. Mm-hmm. I'll, go 15 and yeah, seven. Not I'll bring it down. Those ZO two with him. <laughs> <Yeah>. No, not <about laughs> the ZO, no, no, ZO <laughs> Now, now, just Trey Young as a player though. Is that fifteen and eight in Fred Hoiberg system, or is that fifteen and eight in general on any team? We'll go, to, we'll go to Pat first. Or, okay, <laughs> well, we'll go to Pat Anywhere. second now. Thanks, for Ricky. <laughs> <being.
0: laughs> You guys, want me to go? Yeah. yeah. Do you, do you
1: yeah. think he's, it's All it's right. a thing where if he's going to go fifteen and eight, or you know, whatever number you you want to say in Fred's system, uh, or do you think it's going to be anywhere he goes, he'll have those type of numbers, or we should expect those type of numbers?
0: I think in Fred's system, I think that's reasonable, fifteen and eight. In another system, uh, that's kind of hard to, for me to judge. But I think in a fast pace system where he's constantly throwing up threes or like throwing the ball ball up the court, I think that's that's reasonable, fifteen and eight in Fred's system. But for another system. I, I don't know if I would go that
4: far. I don't know. I mean some of the other teams that are mocked, uh we we all kind of uh love to mock him to the Orlando Magic. Mm-hmm. And that's a team that, you know, I think <laughs> I think the assist numbers might go down a little. But mm-hmm. and that's funny because we're like, Oklahoma has no one who can score. Yeah. And he's still got nine assists a game. Orlando screams the same exact thing. And i like, if he can get
1: nine well, yeah. you know, Fournier, and, and again, Aaron Gordon showed a lot of potential this year as a scorer. And then, you know, Jonathan Isaac, we saw that he has somewhat of a stroke. Again, it's very raw, very raw player, right. really skin and bones, both physically and literally. Uh, or f- physically and <laughs> just at least, you know, in a basketball sense. Um, but, it, you know, again, if they bring in a coach that will help him grow, because they still need to bring a head coach in, if they will bring a coach that has a similar system to Fred, mm-hmm. uh, maybe not exactly ball, but, you know, if they bring in a guy that will play a high-tempo offense— Maybe we could see those numbers from Trey Young, uh, you know, in an Orlando situation. I think it's just something if, if he goes to a team like Chicago, the assist numbers will be there. And that's yeah. really will the points be there? Will he be able to, you know, will teams focus in on him just to force him to pass um and, and for, you know get the ball out of his hands? So then you know you're taking away at least his scoring part of the game. Um, but then if he goes to a different team, you know, let's throw out the Knicks in there. Mm-hmm. Maybe he'll have more opportunity to actually put up more points, maybe he'll be more of a chucker. Um, and, and maybe the, we'll see the points go up, but the assists will go down. I think it's going to be something, again, it's obviously going to fluctuate wherever he goes uh, to the offense. But I think probably if, if we're looking at all of the NBA systems, especially in the range that he could go, I think probably Chicago's the best fit, at least system-wise right mm-hmm. now, looking at all these teams. The one team that I probably don't think he fits on, weirdly enough, might be Cleveland, just because I feel like he's going to be better with the ball in his hands than if LeBron's still there. Yeah. He's not going to have the ball in sense
2: Well, and here's the question I have, kind of bringing it back to the Bulls a little bit, is if we go Trey Young, what's that starting lineup going to be with him in it? Are you going to go with a lineup of Trey Young at the one, Chris Dunn at the two, then Levine at the three, and then Markkanen and Rolo, or if Rolo's not on the team, Markkanen and Bobby at the four and the five? Or do you say, no, Trey Young's going to be our backup, Dunn's going to be the starter at one, and go after a, because like Kevin Durant's not going to be there, mm-hmm. LeBron James is not going to be there, but do you go after a Paul George, a Jabari Parker, a Carmelo Anthony, Rodney Hood,
4: one of these free agents, to fill that three then?
1: We'll go to Dave first, and then we'll go to Pat. Yeah, I
4: think that I would probably have him splitting time. I would want to always try to pair him with Chris Dunn to cover mm-hmm. up those defensive uh, deficiencies, but honestly, I think that they could just say, screw it and roll a small ball. Like I, I'm leaning more and more towards the point where, I don't think you necessarily need to match up size-wise across the board as long as you can outscore the other team and you have someone in the paint who can defend. Like, you can roll out whatever kind of a roughly mid-sized lineup you want to. So I could see exactly what you mm-hmm. said, rolling through one, two, three, four, five. honestly.
1: So, Pat, if they draft Trey Young, what do you think the starting lineup will look like? And Ricky brought in the fact of, you know, what will you do in free agency? Will you try to fill that three spot? So at the start of next season, if they draft Trey Young, um, in the NBA draft, what will the starting five for the Chicago Bulls look like in your mind?
0: I think it would still be Chris Dunn at the Chris Dunn starting and Trey Young backing you know, up to split time to start the season. Although I could see them, if the season goes along, I could see them experimenting with like Dunn, Young, Levine, and then throwing Markin and Rolo out there.
4: Yeah,
0: it also be pretty. It also be interesting to see if. It would throw Trey Young at the two and then Dunn at the one and see how that would work. I just think that would be interesting, and I also think they do have a ton of cap space available. They might—they're probably gonna use a lot of it to sign Zach Levine, but I could see them like trying to go after a guy in free agency, whoever it may be, and then bringing him in there and putting him in the three. Because I don't think—I don't think Paul Zippers fit in that three you know, or Denzel. <laughs> Allen. Zip
4: guide?
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that's fair. But- they wouldn't have said – or John Paxton wouldn't have said in his press conference, like, we're going to look for a Athletics 3 right here. And they wouldn't have said that if they had faith in Paul Zipferso. So,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're going to wrap it up now. Uh, final question is, will it happen? Will Trey Young be a Chicago Bull? We'll go to Ricky, then Dave, and then we'll wrap it up with Pat.
2: I'm going to be a little vain here. I'm going to say no because I'm right. He's going to go to the Magic, and then we're going to take Michael Porter Jr. Dave, but I would love Trey Young in a Bulls be less uniform. douchey and say so he's still going to the Magic. <laughs> uh, but, yeah,
4: I w- it wouldn't be the end of the earth if uh, we ended up with someone like Trey Young on our team.
0: Patrick? I think it could happen. I'm not saying – I don't think it, it – it probably might not. But I think it could if the Bulls fall back in the lottery and they fall far enough back where they don't get Michael Porter Jr. They don't get him for an <laughs> So, I th- and I think at that point, like I've talked a lot about how Trey Young would fit well as the bull, but he might be the most talented player that the Bulls are might have on the board. So they would, so they'd have to have a decision: like, do you want to reach for a three that might not be as good, or do you want to take the best player on the board available and find mm. a way to fit him into your team? So, and I think that's a lot of how the NBA is kind of going right now. There, a lot of teams are picking talent, 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 and they'll just figure it out later rather than going for fit. So I can definitely see it happening. But I think it just has has to figure out how the mock draft or how the draft lottery is going to fall out. So the Bulls could stay where they are or they could get really screwed and fall back. So I just don't know what's going to happen, but it could happen. I'm not banking on it happening, but I think it's possible.
1: Now, Pat, everything you said was 100% correct. But this is your first time on the Fastbreak Podcast, and we do things a little bit differently here. We do hot takes. I bet my car (laughs) on LeBron James not losing in the first round. So Trey Young... After June 26th, when the hell is the draft? June 26th, June 23rd, mm-hmm. whenever it is, will Trey Young be wearing a Chicago Bulls it jersey? It is the 24 21st. days away. 24 days away? Yep. It's the 21st. Not 24 day. days away, Mays then. NBA no. draft lottery is 24 no, days. The no, the draft. He's, hours, he's the lottery. The draft. the draft.
2: Oh, okay. The draft is June 21st because it's the Thursday of VidCon.
1: Thank you. Oh, so, yeah, Pat, nice. after June 21st, will Trey Young be wearing a Chicago, uh, Chicago Bulls jersey?
0: I'll say yes because yes. the rest of you guys said no. So I'll thank nice. You. <laughs> we, thank you. We got a
1: hot take, and that's a great <laughs> way to end the first segment of Pat being here on the Fast Break Podcast. We got to thank Pat for being a patron and coming on to the podcast, choosing the right podcast, in my opinion. Uh, it's the only podcast of mine. on. they're every all
2: great opinions. They're all, they're all great podcasts, podcasts Sean. They do all do a great
0: job.
1: They they, they are, but I'm just saying I have a favorite, and weirdly enough, it's mine. Um, <laughs> if you do want to be like Pat, though, and be uh, a patron, head over to patreon.com slash podcast. We want to thank Pat for for... for joining us on the Trey Young segment and throwing out a great topic. But anyways, let's move into the final topic. And again, we want to thank Pat for giving us a great insight about the Chicago Bulls there. We also want to thank Jake for jumping on the Cavs one a little bit earlier. And again, if you want to be a part of the Fastbrook podcast, the Onside Kick, the Primetime podcast, Rick and Johnny podcast, or a Patreon podcast, Mm -hmm. which uh, Christian did before, Uh, go over to patreon.com slash podcast and you can donate at that $10 tier if you feel so inclined to. We'll have Will on next week, so we have another Patreon segment coming up. We're super excited for that, but let's jump into the final topic. This has been one that's been requested in the comments before, so... We're people. We're, we're, we're podcasters of the people. Mm-hmm. Podcasters of the people. Mm-hmm. We can put it on a shirt. Uh, we we'll, we'll like ju- buzzing juice, making up shirts in the spot. Podcasters of the people. Uh, but, uh, you know, this has been requested in the comments. The Clippers. Best fit for the Clippers in the 2018 NBA draft. This is a team that has two picks in the lotto right now, uh, so they'll at least have uh, you know the 13 or thir- yeah, 13th and 14th pick, uh, even if they lose out on the lotto. Um, but so far, they got the pick uh, from Detroit in the Blake Griffin trade. Right now, they're slotted at 12 and 13. So let's talk about the 12 and 13 slots right now. If they're in that range, what are the players that will fall to them or at least be available to select that you guys like on this Clippers team?
4: I think that you should go for a point guard right at this point because you could find yourself either in Colin Sexton or Shea Gildress Alexander area. One of those two guys could walk right into this team, and you don't have that pressure off that because you still have Milos with an option. You have Papev under contract. So I think you could really use another young point guard to build in behind those two guys. Very vet heavy. And then the second one, if you can find a big you like, that's the kind of thing because this draft is so top heavy with bigs. You find a you after you run out after like Wendell Carter, mm-hmm. like you kind of hit this weird area where Robert Williams or Mitchell Robinson off potential might be the next guy up. So if you really like Mitch Robinson, what he can do in the combine, maybe he works his way up there. Otherwise, I, I just think you need a you need a guard and you need a big. You just pair them both and roll with it because this is a team that could be a playoff team.
2: And I mean that's to me, I'm thinking the same thing. Where I know in my mock draft from last week. Colin Sexton with the first pick, Mm -hmm. Mitchell Robinson with that second one. And even like you said, if Colin Sexton's not there, fuck it, I'll reach and take Shea right there at the 12th overall pick. The thing that I think will be interesting though is depending on what the, like, depending on who you like, like, yeah, you could take the five. You can also take um, Robert Williams with the four. It's which big would you like? Would Mm -hmm. you, do you want to go with a five? Because, DeAndre Jordan could be leaving. Mike, mm-hmm. like, of course, he's going to decline the opt to try to get more money. But if he doesn't come back, are you going to go with a five? Or are you going to go with a four Did with the next
1: one? Did you say Robert Williams at the four? Yeah. I think he's well, more of a five. five. Like, I think he's more of yeah. a five. You can
2: play him at whatever you want. And are want, you sure like,
4: Jordan is going to decline the option? The other thing, because I, I it's 20 leaning towards four million, And this year, there's not as much money to be thrown around. Mm-hmm. So I think he might... And
1: that's, that's one that could yeah. go either way. Well,
2: I mean, if he accepts the option, then I'm not looking for a guy who's going to play the five. I'm going to look for a guy who's going to play the four. But
1: why not? I mean, if, if, if Mitchell Robinson's on the board, and you've mm-hmm. been high on him recently, yeah. um, if he's on the board, a guy that's coming out of high school, didn't play um, you know, uh, this year in college, he was signed to Western Kentucky, committed to Western Kentucky, and then pulled mm-hmm. back, and then wanted to focus on the NBA draft, a guy who's pretty raw, who I who really haven't seen in, in a higher competition, why not take a guy like Mitchell Robinson at that five spot and then just be pretty much the predecessor? Even if for DeAndre,
2: even if DeAndre stays, yeah,
1: for, and, and he could be the predecessor for DeAndre. Work under DeAndre, um, and, and at least you know not have a ton of pressure to come in immediately. Work with an NBA team. Work with that scouts. I mean, if you like the player, I mean, I don't mm-hmm. think it's crazy to go with a Mitchell Robinson since you do have two picks there.
2: Yeah, I mean, for me, I look at if if DeAndre Jordan stays with this Clipper team the four then becomes the focal point because you traded Blake Griffin. Right now, the only four you have under contract is Montrez Harold. And I think what happens then for me is I take that guard, if I'm keeping both picks, we'll talk about that later, I take the guard with 12, and then at 13, it's, all right, if I'm going BPA, I'll go Mitchell Robinson. But then I start to think, all right, is there a four on the board I would take? And then it depends on how he does in the combine how much he rises John Tay could be someone that rises that high
1: real quick i want to i want to throw this out. uh Harold uh correct me if i'm wrong mm-hmm. it, uh, to me it says he only has one year left so he's going to be a free agent after this year so then you don't he's have an, a, an okay. rfa uh, well th- okay he's an rfa yeah. Yeah. but the thing is is you do have a four toby yeah. toby can play four so I mean, Toby rolled the to four for the majority yeah. of the year with them. So, I, mean, I, 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 I
2: you, are you lineup... confident, though, with him being, like, yes. the four of the future? Not the four for just next year. He's 25 years old. The four of the future. I would go ahead and I would draft someone to play that four also. I, I would leave that alone
1: with this draft. Looking at the, the future lineup, at least with the players they have, it's going to be Papev or Milos at the one, depending mm-hmm. on what you want to do. Mm-hmm. At the two, it's going to be Lou Will. At the three, it's going to be Danilo. Four, going to be Toby. And then if DeAndre picks up that option, it's going to be the five. That lineup right there is pretty decent. So it's really who do you want for the future and who do you want to develop, in my mind, if if DeAndre picks up that option. So then, it's like you, know, you got to look at a, a future point guard because Milos hasn't been great, hasn't been healthy. Um, but he's 30, thirty. He's thirty-one I, years old. I would and take then how how Bev,
2: then way over Milos.
1: Pat Bev's going to be thirty. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing is, you need a point guard for, for the future. And if I'm looking at it, I'm pretty confident in Tobias Harris being a, a future four. Mm-hmm. Yep. Danilo is, you know, if if you don't like him, he still has two years and he's guaranteed a ton of money. Yeah. You're not going to be able to move that contract. So I think the three and four starting wise. It is locked up. The two is locked up pretty much because Lou Will, I don't think you're going to put him on the bench unless mm-hmm. he starts to slip a little bit. But even then, that contract's very player-friendly. So I'm still looking at someone who can fill the role and fill the shoes of DeAndre Jordan once he leaves and then obviously looking for the point guard of the future at, at Pat Bev and Milos so I think those are the two positions that they gotta look at I'm not really looking at the four because I believe in Toby Harris I think he's a really good starter uh, in the NBA I think he had a really underrated season especially when he went over to the Clippers um, so I think that's probably the biggest thing is I'm a big believer in Toby at the four so that's why I don't think they're looking at the four I, mm-hmm. I would probably say you're either looking at the three the two or the five if you're and you know, point guards gonna be number one and then I'd probably say five, three, and then two are, are, are the other positions you'd look at. I'm I'm really thinking the four is pretty much fine. Need some depth well, there, but I don't know about a starter.
2: And this is one that I'm thinking about, and I only didn't have him go there because I was going with one and five when I went through my mock draft. But what would you think if the Clippers went Colin Sexton with that first pick or Shea, so point guard with that mm-hmm. first pick— and then a guy like Lonnie Walker with that second one.
4: Lonnie Walker could be interesting. I think it depends a lot on uh, a certain head coach and son relationship. How th- how they go with it too. Honestly, mm-hmm. like Austin Rivers has been a good player for the last couple of years on this Clippers team. Good, not great. Has he earned starter minutes at times? Yes. At times, no. And we've seen him get you know pulled back and forth. So if you think that he's the guy you're going to stick with him, him pairing with Lou Williams, not a bad combo at the two. Maybe not, because Lonnie Walker, to me, is more of a guy who has potential to develop. And I look at this team, the way they're set right now, and I think that this is a team that's like one or two pieces away from competing in the playoffs. So the the only thing that makes me question here is the, the one man controlling everything mm-hmm. in West, and what strings are you pulling? Like, what direction are they going to go?
1: Well, and the fact that you bring up the playoffs, I and mean, this was a team that finished ninth in the Western Conference and was very close to make the playoffs. Miss, yeah. so uh, Sorry, tenth in the, the, the West, because uh, Nuggets were uh, right. ninth. Uh, but, again, still very close coming down to the, the last couple games. And, again, Tobias Harris, when he came over to the Clippers in the 32 games, shot 47% from the field, 41 from three, 80% from the line, put up 19 points per game, uh, 3.1 assists, six boards. He was really good out there. I mean, yeah. I, I really liked what Toby Toby brought. So, again, I'm not really looking at the four. If Jonte's there, then hell, maybe mm-hmm. um, if you think he's BPA. But, again, I think it goes back on, on Jerry West. And I think it's going to be reliant on is he going to try to mold – the Warriors, again, pretty much. Is he going to try to build that up, or is he just going off of talent? If he's going to go off the Warriors, you're probably going to look at extraordinary guard play. And I think they have you know, two good guards and two starter quality guards in Milos um, and, and Pat Babbitt, the one. Mm-hmm. I and mean, obviously, I think we got a starter or at least a six-man in Lou Will mm-hmm. um, at, at that, too. But I don't know if they have the guards of the future. So I think the number 1 pos- position, again... Is the is the point guard position, and if I'm looking at a guy that you know could fit well in that spot, it's Colin Sexton to me at twelve. If he's on the board, I don't think you can pass him up. I know people are a huge fan of Shea, a ton of length on his side, um, great defender, showed his scoring ability as well late in that season. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and again, he was a leader on that Kentucky team and really came on late. Um, he has that body that you really like. Again, six six, very athletic, could play the one. Not a great passer yet, but also Colin Sexton isn't a dynamic passer. The big thing though is if I'm drafting, I want a leader, and Colin Sexton proved that he can be a leader. Some people say to an excessive point at some points, <laughs> um, but still, I yeah, yeah. go back to that game in Brooklyn or wherever it was against Minnesota, three on five, he absolutely balls out. I look at that SEC tournament, he comes out, he leads his team to victories in those games, and the mm-hmm. ones he didn't, he was just outmatched uh, against, you know, team wise and, uh, and coaching wise. Against, uh, I think they lost to Coach Cal um, or did lose to Auburn. Um, anyways, I think Bruce Pearl is a better head coach than Avery Johnson. I think Coach mm-hmm. Cal is clearly a better coach uh, than Avery yeah. Johnson when it comes to the college Either game. Way. So uh, that's the thing is, I, I think Colin Sexton is a true leader, and I think they don't have a true leader yet. And you'd be drafting one with Colin Sexton uh, at, at, at number twelve. So I think that would be the number one attack from him. I think we all agree on that. Do you guys agree that Colin Sexton is a pick though, or are you guys bigger fans of Shea? for Los Angeles. I would take, than I would take Colin Sexton. Sexton over Gilgis. I
4: would I'm leaning Shay right now purely because of like you he said he's he's big he's someone who can attack the basket he's becoming a better passer he's becoming a better shooter like neither one of those are there yet which is the thing that concerns me because I think Colin Sexton could help you compete right now and that's why I think you're you're convincing me to slide over to Sexton camp for this Clippers fit um I think Shay may end up being a better pro over time but right now you got you got me. You got me on the Colin Sexton well, train for this Clippers team.
1: The one thing too, people that you know, people don't really like is the inconsistency that Colin has from three. Yeah. He's, he's not a deadly shooter, but also you look at the team and the makeup they have. Lou Will's is a great three point shooter. Danilo mm-hmm. is a great shooter. Toby Harris is a great shooter. So right there, you have three guys that he's going to be able to find mm-hmm. and hit those open shots. And again, again, Colin Sexton might be serviceable serviceable from three, but if he's, if I'm drafting to be my leader and my point guard, I'm going to want him to be able to distribute more and attack the bucket, which he's shown to be able to do. So that's what I really like from Colin Sexton. I think he fits with that team already. And if he's drafted, if we're drafting for the future, Toby's going to be there, Lou Will's going to be there, and Danilo's going to be there for at least two more years while Colin's growing and developing.
2: Do you guys want to know something that's kind of eerily... Uh... Now, I'm not going to, I no, want to say eerily similar, but it's, so it's just eerie in general. Mm-hmm. So, Jerry West is now the man running the show with the clip show. Yes, he right. He took over as the, what, GM of the Warriors in 2011. They had the 11th overall pick that year. Guess who they took? Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson.
1: Hmm. There's not a Clay Thompson. There, There's
2: though. not a Clay Thompson right <laughs> here, but that boat, like, if I'm a Clippers fan, Jerry, like, Jerry's going to pick the right guy here. He's gonna find the right guy. And I like you look through, of course, the Draymond one was second overall, uh, our second round pick. Mm-hmm. You had the twenty twelve the year after their first rounder was a seventh overall, got Harrison Barnes, who, yeah, he's not on the Warriors right now. He, but was, he was a good was a contributor he a for ring. that team. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing that I think is gonna happen here. Where if we're talking about the Clippers, they're gonna make the best picks right here. They're just gonna find the guys that you know, this is the guy, no matter what, like, we could be talking reaches. Like, I mentioned, oh, like, Jonte could be a reach here. But if that's the guy that Jerry West thinks is going to help this team, he's not afraid he's to gonna make, make the call. pick.
1: But also, are we taking Jerry West's Bible? Jerry West can't make a bad decision, so whatever Jerry West does he's, is not saying No, perfect. I'm not but, saying he's I mean, no, not, not, not perfect. But what but, you're saying, though, is, like, whatever Jerry does is going to be a, I mean, automatically the best. Player. He that's what just sound like. <laughs> I
2: don't think he has a— he doesn't have a terrible track record to me. No. In the first round, his first round picks with the Warriors: Clay at eleven. Then the next year, he had Harrison Barnes at seven, Festus of Zili at um, thirty, then thirtieth overall, Kevon Looney, and then at thirtieth overall, Damian Jones. Those were his first mm-hmm. round picks with the Warriors.
1: When, when you're picking thirty, it doesn't matter. He's yeah. taken. So oh, I mean, yeah. you, you won the championship. Yeah. Yep. So I, I think again, I, again, I'm not saying he didn't. He doesn't have a great track record. Mm-hmm. He, he does. Um, it's just really and I think even was a big part of why KD was there too Um, so I mean he was Mm -hmm. able to bring in a massive free agent there Um, but I think with the Clippers you just have to realize what the positions of need are and then also you gotta take the best player available I think you're getting that in Colin Sexton if you're drafting at 12 Colin Sexton's available you're getting the best player available and he's fitting the position that you need to fill up so Mm -hmm. I think Colin Sexton's an easy pick at 12 if he's available and then at 13 I'm looking at a Robert Williams because uh, you know Danilo is, is a good scorer. Lou is a good scorer. You need some defensive help, though. And I know Robert Williams is you know kind of undersized for the center position at 6'9", mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. this guy's super long, super athletic, and the best part about him is his defense. And Jake was talking off-phone. When a guy is this good at defense, it's hard for him to bust because he's always going to be good at some part. And I think Robert Williams can step in and still be good defensively immediately. Kind of reminds me of a smaller Jared Allen um, from last year's draft yeah. in some ways. Um, obviously, Jared... Much bigger, 7-1, Robert Williams coming in at 6-9. But I think uh, Robert Williams does bring a different tenacity than uh, Jared Allen did. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that Robert Williams could be a really nice pick there for the Clippers, especially at that five spot and then at that 13th overall pick. Um, so I think if I'm Jerry West, um, I'm you know I'm the logo, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm rebuilding the team, <laughs> uh, I'm probably going Colin Sexton and Robert Williams if those two are available However, to fill my position. I'm
2: going to jump the gun here and I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on before Sean tells me I can. Mm-hmm. Here's a scenario that's playing out in my head. Draft goes along, pick, 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 bulls get up. Michael Porter Jr. All right, Mikhail Bridges on the board. Do I call the Kings? No. The Kings, being true King fashion, mess it up and don't take Mikhail Bridges. They take like the next Papa Giannis or whoever they want to take at six. If Mikhail at Bridges, seven, you mean? yeah, yeah at seven. um, if Mikhail Bridges is there at eight, and I'm Jerry West. I pick up the phone, and I'm going, hey, Cleveland, you don't think LeBron's going to stay? I'll give you two picks, and I'll go up and take Like, that's what I'm thinking. If a Mikael Bridges, who I think is similar skill sets to a Klay Thompson, to where, yeah, can score from outside, but can also lock down maybe the first scoring option, why not Jerry West? Hey, I only had one first-rounder my first year with the Warriors. Get that similar guy. And a Cavs team who might be like, holy shit, LeBron might leave. Two players is better than one in the first round.
1: Where's he playing though?
2: Who's where's Mikhail playing? Yes, he could play off at the. Bench. the well, <laughs> he'd be coming off the bench, but you can play him at either the two would be preferred, but you can slide him at the three if needed.
1: Yeah, I'm just just wondering because, I mean, I'm just saying because they they just signed their two and three for long term extensions. But I mean, or they just signed Danilo and they just read. But I mean, where
2: Lou Will is more of to me like the offensive guy. McHale is more of the defensive guy who happens to have a pretty good shot.
4: So Mm -hmm. I, I could see them going that route. I'm just I'm at a loss for where this team is direction wise. Like, are they a team that's going to compete for a playoff shot? Or is this a team where this is step one of his reload Mm -hmm. was moving Blake and he's not done making moves? Mm -hmm. Well, what other moves are there to make? I mean, you can still. Because, I mean, Avery Bradley, I'm going
1: to throw this out. Avery Bradley is a free agent as well. So they could possibly bring him back as well.
4: Yeah, Avery Bradley is still. But he's
1: he's, going to be off the books. So we're not going to talk that he's on the team. Mm -hmm.
4: Right. But I just think that, you know, maybe Danilo and that contract can be moved. Maybe you do look into something
1: where. I mean, 21 mil for a guy. With that much and in injury history, I don't know if a lot of people are going to be knocking on the Danilo Gallinari. You,
2: you, you bring up Danilo. I'm going to just throw out this trade mm-hmm. to throw it out there. Danilo and both first-rounders for Kawhi.
1: No. They say no. Hell no. Contract's just... Uh, they, because they it's match so, up. Contract's the contracts,
2: contracts match up, I'd no, but
1: it's not the contracts; it's the it's value. stuck with it's the value. I it's, mean, like, hey, if you're the Spurs
2: and it, what's going on with Kawhi, you get two first rounders in the close to the top ten in the lottery. Who knows what they're going to be we, after the lottery? We also
1: don't know what's going on with. Kawhi. Oh, I know. I mean, but like, I'm just saying right yeah. now, if health, I'm the
2: Spurs, I would at least listen to that health offer wise, If I'm thinking about wise, getting rid of
1: Kawhi, we don't know what's going on with Kawhi, and I and if I'm the Spurs, I'm not taking that. Because mm-hmm. I think there's probably better offers than Danilo Gallinari at two first, um, and especially those are it's two, two first, lottery first, two lottery first, but also they're back backers. Yeah, and again, this, like, is, this is a fairly you know rich but I mean, draft. Um, but I, I don't know if 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 you if you're making that trade for the 12 and 13 and Danilo Gallinari, mm-hmm. you know you have to know who you're taking and be sold on both of those guys because you're trading Kawhi Leonard, probably the best two way player in the NBA when healthy. For two guys that could possibly bust out, I feel like I need a more of a for, for sure thing or a higher pick to really sell that on. And then maybe you know, hey, the the, the Clippers, the Spurs flip that and then move up uh, to to get the guy that they want. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know about that. And then also on the Cavs thing, if, if the Cavs are picking at eight, they're either have Trey Young on the board or Mobamba on the board. And if LeBron's staying, then yeah. if LeBron's yeah. staying, then you need Mobamba to be that I, five. And then also if, Trae, if by, LeBron's leaving and Trey Young's there, by, you possibly like, have a future. Star. Like
2: we talked about earlier. Let's say, hypothetically, they lose to the Pacers. Oh, my God, LeBron's leaving. Oh, we need a point guard and a center. Cavs, you can get that at 11. You can get Collin Sexton and Mitchell Robinson and get both of those players at 11-12.
1: It's a lot of what-ifs. While but let, we let's, can move up. Yeah, let's let's deal with what we, we know right now because, mm-hmm. again, that's a lot of what-ifs right there. Um, Dave, looking at looking at that, I mean, mm-hmm. if they're not getting the 12-13, and 13, and let's say they get you know a top ten pick, and they're, they're still sitting at thirteen. Or you know, let's say they, they they somehow win the lottery at some point. What what prospects do you think fit this Clipper team? And and, and you know, w- are there any players just outside of the ones that we mentioned so far um, that you really like for this Clipper team?
4: I mean, honestly, I think there's a couple guys who would be interesting if it if they fell to the Clippers. Like I look at someone, honestly, like Kevin Knox is a guy who is falling on some people's boards. I have him a little later than most, but like. Still, if he's available for you, that wouldn't be a bad. Way. I think that really, you know, when you start looking at all the contracts, like you said, John, like they're pretty locked in with a with a group of guys for the next couple of years. But at no point should they feel like they're locked into this guy that's their championship run because, <laughs> like you said, Toby's 25, 20, 25. 25 DeAndre's twenty nine, and we don't know his long term potential. So we'll see if he's going to stay on the team. I think if you go after someone like Kevin Knox who has a ton of potential, you go after, if you compare him and Mitchell Robinson, you can have just the two guys who have the body for the NBA and you can mm-hmm. hope to build them up with that training staff and get them into top-tier shape. Honestly, the one guy I would really love if to him would be like a Wendell Carter. If he's available for them or if he starts falling and maybe he's there at like 10, 11, you start licking your lips a little bit because that's a guy who I think would be an awesome add to this team. Mm-hmm. Why do you think
1: he's a, a good fit for the Clippers? He does a little
4: bit of everything very well. He is an excellent rim protector. He keeps the ball moving on offense, and he is someone who is pretty efficient at shooting. So I think, like, all around, he's one of the best packages at center who is NBA ready right now. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, there's higher upside with someone like Bamba, there's higher upside with uh, just a couple of these guys like Ayton and Bagley, maybe. But at the end of the day, like, Wendell Carter is a guy who's not going to screw you over and screw up your franchise because. You can plug and play him and be confident in his contributions. One of those
1: things where it's a high floor but probably a lower ceiling. Yes. So, yeah. yeah, Well, and I mean,
4: you look at Wendell Carter,
2: I know, for the primetime podcast when we did our big board where for Brandon, he jumped into the top five. And Brandon was even, I've said it before, pointing out that game that Duke had in the tournament where it's like Wendell Carter was off the floor and it's like, this team doesn't look so good with Bagley out there. And then Carter comes back in. It's like, okay, this team looks good again. That was the game they lost against Kansas yeah. that happened. I mean, the thing is we all have Wendell Carter in the top ten. Is he going to fall out or is he now solidified as a top ten pick? I think that's the question right. that it would be with Wendell Carter.
1: Yeah, and the one thing, too, I just want to throw this out there because I know some people will jump. I mm-hmm. mean, I said if the Clippers win the, the draft lottery, that would be the Clippers pick because – Detroit uh, oh, is, the one? is it's protected one to four. Yeah. Oh, so okay. yep. so they, they they'll have to win with a thirteenth pick rather mm-hmm. than the twelve. So it's going to be a, a le- large long shot for them to be drafting that high. But again, we got to throw mm-hmm. that out there because anything can happen. In the draft yeah. lottery, frozen letters, uh, or frozen <laughs> balls, whatever. Um, but let's talk about the ability to trade because mm-hmm. you have two picks. You've mentioned it before. You mentioned the Cavs. You mentioned uh, Kawhi Leonard, Ricky, um, twelve and thirteen. You're going to have some capital to possibly move up. Mm-hmm. If I'm the Clippers, I'll throw this out there and then we can go to Dave um, and then Ricky jump in. If I'm the Clippers, I'm not moving up. I'm not moving back. I'm sitting at 12 and 13 and I'm taking two players. I think with this Clipper team, with the veterans that you have, and if DeAndre comes back, you have the ability to make a postseason run next year. Mm -hmm. And then you're also getting two players that still have very high ceilings have a lot of potential, and Colin Sexton and Robert Woods. I'll throw those two out there because those are the ones I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. you have two players that can be starters on your team for the next 10 years or whatever how long you're going to have them on their team. I think those two guys have starter potential. I think Colin Sexton has star potential. I think that is a really nice get for uh, Blake Griffin because then if you're looking back at that trade, you're getting Avery Bradley, you're getting... Uh, Tobias Harris Mm -hmm. you're getting uh, Colin Sexton for Blake Griffin and you're dumping all that cap which gives you the capital to possibly go out and get a Paul George if he doesn't want to go to the Lakers or get uh, a a big free agent in the next coming years so I really think that if the Clippers are able to snag a guy like Colin Sexton and then have the ability to add a future five in Robert Williams I think that would be a beautiful move and take all of that pieces from, from Blake and turn it into the future of the Clippers I don't think they should move the 12 and 13 to move up or even you know trade the twelve or thirteen to move back, or trade one of those picks and move back. Stay at twelve and thirteen. Take them and get guys for the future and and some kind of cornerstones or centerpieces for that future team in Los Angeles.
4: Yeah, I, I completely agree with you because let's be honest, this there is a you know joke about draft science to like the NBA to football. Like mm-hmm. it, it is a luck kind of thing because honestly you're there's no way to say 100 percent guarantee this guy is going to hit at the next level yeah there's no 100 percent answer to that so if you have two chances in the top you know 14 take your shot there because you probably will be better off with two chances at a guy who could hit than one chance just because there's a better percentage that you think he can hit like i'm never all in on a player like there's there's bust potential for every single guy in this draft so i just go to the point where two players both, like you said, if they could land with Robert Williams, I think that seems like the like the staple pick to kind of shore up their down low post action. Um, and then if they get either point guard available there, like like you said, they're set for the future. The problem is that we're transitioning off of this older team to a younger core. And that's where I'm kind of like, if they move some picks, that could be interesting. But I don't think the value is there this year. I think that this year's draft has some really high potential guys in that range.
1: I, I will say, Dave gave us a great topic idea of guys we're all in on, all mm-hmm. in on for the NBA draft, so where we can bet our cars, oh. well, if we have them. Yeah, so I already, or you already, or you already can, lost that. Or yeah. we could have guys, like, when we called Jalen Brown a bust, <laughs> all three of us a bust, mm-hmm. we call them all did a bust. Did we call a bust? Uh, yeah, 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 we did. E- even before it was Plus drafted, we honest. all called them a bust, yeah. and obviously he's showing us off. So congrats, Jalen Brown, mm-hmm. to, to, to Celtics fans. But yep. Ricky... If you are Jerry West, because, I mean, you resemble him so much when you guys are dribbling uh, basketballs on the court. Thanks. Um, if you were Jerry West, what are you doing? Are you trading? Are you entertaining um, offers? Or are you just I'm closing enter- off the phone lines?
2: I'm entertaining. Um, and the thing is, I'm going to sit here and be like, I'm going to think about the picks because um, right now it's a combination of guys. Colin and Mitchell Robinson, Colin Sexton, Jontae Porter. Do I go with a if a Miles Bridges falls? Do I go Miles Bridges and a Shea Gilgis Ooh, or even yeah. a Kyrie Thomas? Because mm. to me, wait, think about it. Okay. To me, Kyrie Thomas in this draft is almost kind of like to me the Don't poor sit down man's with Mitchell. No, okay. the poor man's Mikael Bridges. Where Whew. I feel like, yes, I would rather have Mikhail, but if I'm lower in the draft, I'll take Kyrie. He's gonna do similar things that I want McHale to do. The two trades that I would make right now is if Mikhail falls to eight at the Cavaliers, I would look to move those picks to get Mikael Bridges to get that three and D guy locked down. Kind of like what you did with Clay Thompson. What do you yeah, think the I deal is?
1: Twelve May? and thirteen for eight straight up? <sighs> It's, never, I, I feel
2: it's like never that, that easy. It. No. Yeah. It's never that easy, but that's the core of my deal. I'm not going to go conspiracy okay. with that. The only other deal I would entertain would be, and I know this is huge speculation, tinfoil hat, but it is, depending on how this Kawhi thing plays out with the San Antonio Spurs, the Spurs moving up, getting two picks. Yeah, you might. It How it would work is, all right, Pop. You're going to get this headache off your hands in Kawhi Leonard. Well, more importantly, his uncle, because I think that's the major part of the headache. (laughs) It's not Kawhi. It's his uncle right now, who they're even saying has been in talks with Kyrie's, someone related to Kyrie. That's I read into it, like feeding the ego a little bit of the uncle, maybe, who's his agent. But it's like, you get this headache off your hands. We're going to give you two first round lottery picks. Mm Mm-hmm. The only bad thing is you got to take on Danilo Gallinari to make the salaries work. And if the Spurs—like, that could be a, a conversation for a different day whether the Spurs do that. But if I'm the Spurs, I heavily think about it because I get two first-round picks and I get to wet my hands clean of this Kawhi thing. And if I'm the Clippers, I do it all day because I add Kawhi. Kawhi equal those two picks, I would take Kawhi over them any day.
1: Okay. I'm going to throw one out. I'm going to throw a trade out. Right? All right. I don't know how this is going to work, mm-hmm. if this is going to work, but uh, this is playing off your Cavaliers one. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't think the Spurs is going to happen. I think that's a complete long shot. Yeah. I you're thought you said tinfoil hat. Yeah, you're just throwing it out there. Um, this one works in the trade machine. It would be the eighth pick mm-hmm. and Tristan Thompson. for 12, 13, Boban, Pat Bev, <sighs> and Sam Decker. Ah. Uh. I, because you get Tristan um, off the books. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know exactly. Like, the thing is you have to get Tristan. I think I think if you're able to get Tristan going to the Clippers. That, that's, that's how you get some, the
4: Cavs interest. I think that's
1: mm-hmm. exactly. Because you're going to give them two players, two young players that they'll have c- c- uh, contract control over. And you'll be able to take uh, is c- uh, cap relief the, off them. The yeah. thing
2: I need to know is, is DeAndre Jordan accepting his option or not? I have no idea. Because if he's accepting that option, I don't know if I want to take on T.T.
1: I mean, it depends on, yeah. I would be,
2: like, and I know this is getting greedy. I know the Cavs would never do it. You're probably going to have
1: to match match contracts. So so let's throw that out there. Because then then DeAndre will have one year left, I think, at like 22 mil. And then uh, Tristan, I think, 24. And I think Tristan will have two years for 16.
2: If I was, and I'm going to throw this out, see if it works straight up. And I don't know if this would be a great trade. There's
1: not a lot that works. I think the only one that works straight up is Toby. Yeah, I mean, and you
2: don't want to give TT. up Toby. No. I will eh, wait a second. The the <laughs> trade that I'm thinking about um has to involve Tobias Harris. But I'm not getting TT. Can't do it. I'm getting K Love. I'm trying to get that mm-hmm. guy who can play, yeah, he's listed as a center, but I would move K Love back to the four and have him and DeAndre Jordan. If DeAndre mm-hmm. Jordan moves on, then welcome that TT in because I need a center. But if DeAndre Jordan stays, I, mean, I, I don't know fit. if I
4: want to trade for TT. I see the fit. I just think that right now Toby is the better player for the Clippers. Like, mm-hmm. K-Love is still a very good player and probably one of the best rebounding fours and a good shooter from the outside. But he hasn't been that dominant role in so long. I worry about giving him the reins again to be, like, the, the number one on well, the team. Awesome. It I, got it. Healthy.
2: I got it, guys. It all works out. You want to do the pick straight up, you don't have to. You do the pick straight up, plus Larry Nance comes to the Clippers, Sam Decker goes to the Cavs.
1: But I, <laughs> well, like, my whole thing uh, is my whole thing is that uh, my whole thing is that not? the Cavs want to get TT off the books. Yeah. No, yeah. So that that's the only reason but why it's I think the Clippers you're
2: I don't know if I would want to do that. So that's maybe why where that would fall for me.
1: That's why I just say take two two players. You have oh, yeah. Ca- you have Cap control, to well, control I said, these guys.
4: Entertaining offers. Not so if they land eight. If, if if your magic happens I and, and they remember. magically get the Cavs at eight,
1: what, what do they go with? If they get the if they get the Clippers get the eight pick, yep. mm-hmm. that's a tough one. That, um, that's the problem. Well, I mean, that's it, it, possible. Trey Young range. That's probably the last place that he can go because we're probably we've been mocking him five to eight. By nice
2: that would be a nice pick for
1: It'd be interesting, I mean, do, if he's so damn comparable to mm-hmm. Steph Curry. I mean, you get your Steph Curry, Play-in Jerry West. Right there. Um, you obviously talk about Mikhail Bridges, but I don't know if... If I'm trading up, I don't... No offense to Mikhail Bridges, I think he's going to be a really good player. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if I want to take yeah, he's Mikhail not gonna... as a centerpiece.
2: I would say That's the, the trade-up for Trey Young, maybe I'm not thinking about it, because for me, he's a top-five pick, and I don't think he falls mm-hmm. past six with the Bulls. But... The thing where if you're trading up for Trey Young there, the thing I look to is what did we say at the beginning of the year? And Dave, I think, was the most high on him with Milos, was the how how he's going to get this offense going with his passing and his assist numbers. Well, to me, Trey Young's a lot younger than Milos. That is true. And and one of of the things that I harped on earlier in this podcast was how he facilitates— I would make that move to trade up with the Cavs if Trey Young was there. But you no need, doubt, you need a
1: team around him. So it's like I, I think it's a think, team that was I think still just out well, of the playoffs again. Yeah. It, it depends on the trade though. If you're getting rid of Toby, then you're getting rid of the no, team no, at some point. No, again,
4: no, it's the one taking on
1: TT side. Yeah, but but let's just. But I think I think if you're trading up to that eight spot, there has to be a future star. So if if Trey if Trey Young's
2: there, if Trey Young's there, if
1: Michael Porter Jr. is there, or I know Dave will hate this, Mohamed Bamba. If Mo Bamba's there, yeah. because yeah, mm-hmm. yes, I, I know Mikael Bridgers, B- Bridgers, uh, Bridges, Bridges, Mikhail Bridges, and Miles Bridges are probably more of a safer pick there. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you're talking about guys who could be future stars. We believe that Porter Jr. has the possibility to be one if he's healthy. Trey Young, again, if he is able to overcome his size and play a little bit of defense, he has the potential to be a star. And then Mo Bamba, I understand that he's very, 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 very raw. But you can't teach 7'6 wingspans, 7'1 height, and mm. his ability to block shots like he did. And we were comparing his stats to Joel Embiid's stats in college. And I know, completely different players, you to have to have the same work ethic as Joe to improve your shot and to beef up like that. But Mohamed Bamba had better stats than Joel Embiid coming out of college, per 40 and regular season. So, just throwing it out there, you have a future star, the potential to be a star, let me say that, the yep. potential to be a star in that. Mo Bamba. Quick question. Yes.
2: If, let's Final say, question. Like Dave up. said, let's say you like a Wendell Carter and you want to draft him. Yes. If he is there at 10, do you try to work a deal with the 76ers where you're trading one of your picks to swap with them at 10?
1: Mm, but that, to it, try to
2: get Wendell Carter.
1: Yeah, then you have to give up some some other capital, which is going to be another because uh, future pick, and I don't think because do, think no, any I don't, of us have any. Think the Sixers out. want more picks at this point? Yeah. They have, well, you'd be so, so you'd, it'd heavy. be a pick swap.
4: No, but Sean mentioned future but why picks to sweet twelve. Deal.
1: Like that's the thing is why would mm-hmm. you yeah. ten for twelve? You got to throw something else. Yeah, the Sixers. Maybe
2: play. it would for me. It'd be players. It'd be moving around players. Yeah, it's just hard to find a good
4: fit for that. I don't know. I think that there's there's a lot of guys that are there. It just depends on what direction this franchise goes in yeah. at the end of the
1: day. I think ultimately, 12, 13, you're taking Colin Sexton, you're taking Robert Williams. Mm-hmm. That is what I personally think will happen. Um, if Miles Bridges falls there, Colin Sexton, Miles Bridges. If somehow Mo Bamba's fallen there, because you had him, what, 11? I hate Bamba at times. <laughs> but, but yes, I admit that his potential is. Did you have him at 11 hard. or 12, though, last, last mock draft? Because I, if he's at 12, holy shit, am I not missing yeah, had out on 12. Take, Yeah, 12. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit, am I not missing Colin Sexton and Mo Bamba? Like, again, you might not like it, but, uh, uh, again, if if he's oh, no, at 12, I totally that agree. potential is uh, unpassable. I think, I think his
4: potential deserves to be a top-ten pick. What what if something stupid happens and the heart's like, so we've got a Kemba Walker, and you've got a couple picks. No.
1: Mm-mm. Walking away from that? That's the thing is, what, he's going to be an expired contract. You're going to have to pay him. I, I love just, Kemba Walker. I'll just take Kyle
2: and eleven. Thank you.
1: Like again, you, 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 again, right. Kemba Walker. I love Kemba Walker. I'm gonna be the first but person to now contract is, control. But, but it's contract no. control. It's age, and then it's also you're you're giving up on those two players. Then now and, if the Hornets and, and, were you seven or eight. This youth. You got to bring in a youth. You got to bring some youth in here. What's that?
2: If the Hornets were at seven or eight, then we'd have a discussion. Maybe. Really? Well, two mm-hmm. two players' difference? I've.
1: I, I'm still very steadfast, and I'm not thinking that well, much about trades. Think, the only reason 90, is 95 of me is saying keep the picks.
2: The only reason is there's a gap between eight and eleven. There's no gap between eleven and twelve to where it's like, hey, you know what? We know you're you got Kemba Walker. You're not going to take Colin Sexton. Whatever, do that, what you want.
1: That's the thing is like. Eight is pretty much the edge of the stars. Mm-hmm. That's where you have the shot as a Trey Young, Michael Porter Jr. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's where the difference is. Again, I'm still very steadfast on keep the fucking picks. So
4: yeah, I think I think we all kind of trust Jerry West to walk away with two picks, and they'll both be pretty good players.
1: Mm-hmm. Ricky, thoughts? With me, Let's see I'm, final thing.
4: I'm final taking
2: verdict. I'm taking Colin Sexton, and I'm going to go with hoping Jontay Porter. Shows up at the combine so that he rises and I can take him and have that four to go with DeAndre Jordan.
1: I don't know about the four thing. I think you're, I don't know about. I, I think Toby, Tobias Harris. The camera's off, but I'm looking at you right now. Yep. I think you're a great four. Looking right into Tobias's don't, soul. Don't listen. Don't listen to Ricky Wimmer. I think you're a beautiful four, and I would love to have you on my. He used team. to be
2: on the Orlando Magic, right? And he used to he be was. on the Detroit
1: Pistons. Yep. So there we go. Uh, we're gonna wrap it up there. Uh, Tell us what you think the Clippers should do down in the comments below. If you're listening on iTunes, don't forget to rate us on five stars. We need your support. We appreciate your support. We love it. We've had an influx of subs. Over, I think, 800 over the past 30 days. If you are just joining us, thank you so much on YouTube. We appreciate it. Don't forget to like sub, the Like button. If you're a Clipper fan, don't forget to get that, hit that Subscribe button because we're going to be doing uh, recaps on picks. Uh, we'll be doing live uh, coverage of the NBA draft, so definitely uh, make sure you want to stay tuned through that. And also, we got a ton of build up until June 21st, so definitely stick around. Also, check out the website. Ricky did a seven-round mock draft because he's insane. Go check it out, <laughs> com, And we also had two patrons. On this podcast, Jake and Pat. If you want to be a patron, go to patreoncom podcast. We got the one dollar here, the two dollars here, the five dollars here, the ten dollars here. It's awesome, baby! It's also, crazy.
2: the one thing I'm going to add because I forgot to tell you is uh, if you're a graphic conversation fan, you can get all, back. You can get
1: every episode a week early if you're a patron. Every episode. what a deal! Any any level, Ricky? Yeah, any level. So if I, I pay one dollar. Yeah. I'm getting a free audio Patreon yep. podcast monthly. Well, you're getting and, free and access to You're, you're, to the, getting, it, you're getting it free early. like you would
2: usually, and you get it a week before everyone else. Get the fuck out of here. The first one just dropped today.
1: Insane! Go check it out, patreon.com. <laughs> I like how you're standing up and no one can see it. Ah, pumped. Because <laughs> we're going to go get food. So, for Dave Oster, for Ricky Wimmer, I'm Sean Anderson, the college sex and, sex and dick sucker. We'll see you next time. I don't know why I said that. Leave it in there. <laughs> Leave it in there. <laughs> Leave it in there. <laughs> fuck it. We'll do it live. There you go.
0: Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.